Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's June the 8th of 2022. I am Nick, here with Quinn, and it's time to recap the manga of the week. Yes. Lee. The weekly of the recaps. Yes. All right, that's it. We have nothing further to add. We're going to head on out of here, guys. I think we've had a good time. We talked I'm a lot. I'm in first gear right now. Just give me some time, and I'll ramp up. I've, I don't know. I I'll, I just need to get going. Would it help if I made little car noises? <laughs> that did help a little there bit. There you go. See, now, now we're cruising. You can't stop us. There are no, no. brakes on this car. No, just I just... Fun. I just destroyed the clutch by shifting from first straight up to fifth, and I'm good to go. All right. That's how so, science works, baby. Um, guys, we we have, we have uh, a manga we're going to talk about today. Uh, before we get into it, I do want to, because couldn't remind me of it with uh, her shirt, which is everyone happy Pride Month. Uh, it's uh, very important on the show because, I mean, like, we've had some big like i think some of my favorite stuff that we've done has actually been like it delving into lgbtq relevant topics uh and we want to wish everyone of you out there who is anywhere among those groups happy pride month we hope that you are living your best life right now hell yeah remember pride is a riot yes what yeah i don't get it Original Pride was a riot. Oh, yes. Yes. That one, yes. There you go. And it's never going to be required to go that far again, right? Let's not get into okay. that. Let's, Let's talk not get about into that. Manga. No dark thoughts. Proud thoughts. Okay. Guys, no dark thoughts, which is why we're going to talk about D. Gray Man today. <laughs> Nick, it's called D. Gray Man, which means things only can exist in black and white. There is no middle ground, obviously. <laughs> I was actually. That's why it's called D Black and White Man. <laughs> Shades of Gray, wherever I go. This is a series that has been running in one form or another for a long time now, since it first debuted in Weekly Shonen Jump in 2004. It had its 18 year anniversary just a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's a series that's written by Katsura, Katsura Hoshino. Uh, but. You might be thinking, what, an 18-year-old series that debuted in Shonen Jump? Why isn't this one of the things you guys talk about every single week? That's because, uh, due to various reasons, uh, many of them having to do with the author uh, hitting some uh, poor health uh, in her time writing the series, uh, it's been put on hiatus a number of times. It's been shifted around to, like, four different magazines, I think. A There's been a lot of stuff. Uh, it's... That's kind of uh, prevented it from being a reliable mainstay, I guess you could call it. But as a series that came out in the early part of the 20th century, 21st century, I should say, in Shonen Jump, uh, you can see, you know, as an action series like that, but like, yeah, it looks like it kind of came out from around then. But at the same time, it uh, is clearly its own entity uh, in a few regards. Also... No one's apparently quite sure what its fucking title means. So, <laughs> uh, I thought it was relatively familiar. D is uh, this is the weird thing. 
because the, the series start after One Piece, and there's mm-hmm. another series in which there are very prominent D-lettered initial characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I assume that's what the D's for. Gray is is because the series does actually talk quite a bit about morality. There is what seems to be an objectively good and objectively bad side, and as we go through the series, it's not quite clear exactly how clearly defined those levels are, and there's a little bit... There's a gray area to it. Uh, and, you know, man probably just flows better than any other last word. That's my assumption of it. I don't know if there is an exact specific answer of, like, this is what it stands for. I mean, it's in many ways, as I'm sure we'll talk about, maybe it's a little bit like Bleach, where it's not really supposed to relate to anything <laughs> in particular, but it's what it's called, all right? It's kind of catchy. Hoshino says that the D stands for deer. Deer gray man? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. There are a number of series that have a deer's title in them. You know, it's this is actually the spiritual predecessor to Deer Sachen. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't think that at first, but now, now that I'm thinking about it more, I'm like, there were a couple killer robots in Deer Sachen that I, I couldn't quite place. It felt like it was really inappropriate in the series. Oh, that's why that guy blackmails the protagonist. <laughs> He's actually a robo-zombie who <laughs> tortured soul. It doesn't make more sense. It's, he's a passable reconstruction of a human, but he's not actually. Yeah. <laughs> D. Gray Man is a series that is, I mean, you, you prefer to Bleach earlier. Uh, I think that if you painted in incredibly broad strokes, you could compare the two because they're, D. Gray Man is a series where there are these entities called Akuma and there are hunters uh, that destroy them. The, one of the things that sets D. Gray Man apart from a number of other series that have a premise that is somewhat like that is that it's uh, set in a alternate version of Europe. Despite the fact that demons are called Akuma, which is a little bit weird, um, and there's a lot of like uh, kind of Catholic imagery that is used uh, when they are fighting uh, these the creatures, I guess you'll we'll call them that. Yeah, so. uh, although specifically not Catholicism, uh, or at least an alternate version of it, because their Jesus has a gigantic afro. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the scenes you see it, I was like, huh. All right, then. Kind of makes it look like Bob Ross was the one that they killed. Well, you know, considering the, the like the, you know, the. Yeah. Can you imagine if there were just like an entire religion ba- built around like people watching like Bob Ross streams and stuff? Hmm. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. <laughs> That's OK. <laughs> I'm happy you're doing what you're doing, Peter. Now, why don't you take that and just you know, paint, a, paint, paint a nice little tree? All right. You're not painting a tree right now, but that's OK. <laughs> you're stabbing me. Father. <laughs> Forgive these men. They know not what they do. Mm. Now, I'll ask you a third time. Will you paint that tree? <laughs> <laughs> you bought the paint. Feel like you should use it. <laughs> oh, what a horrible traitor. They were. <laughs> um, so our main character. Agony in the garden takes on a much different meaning. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I don't. I did. I know a pathetic amount about <laughs> biblical stories. Uh, um, our main character is named Alan Walker. 
uh, who is this young uh, precursors to before we get into a lot of this conversation. There are so many terms associated with this series that I just did not ever just latch on to. Uh, I know that innocent is the big is the is the weapon thing. Innocence, uh, yeah. Innocence or and I know that it takes and of course it's it's basically the equivalent of like, oh, this is your demon hunting tool and it takes a different form for everyone, essentially. Often very, very weird. The fact that Alan has a symbiotic entity that is also his giant metal hand. Uh, that gives him the power to see which people are actually Akuma in disguise. That's one of the tamer ones, at least at first, because he gets he's a shonen hero. He gets an upgrade eventually. Um, there are people who like uh, there's a girl whose uh, innocence is a clock and it gives her like time manipulation powers, but not really. Uh, and uh, there's. The main character, the main female character, kind of uh, has wind powers, which also let her make platforms in the air with wind, which I guess kind of makes sense. No, it's sound. Yeah. So but there are all these different terms that I just never really latched on to. So forgive me if I use more vague terminology instead of using the proper names for everything, because I just. I, they just kind of hit me over and over again and they just never really I never really latched onto them. Um, so the main thing to keep in mind about the Yakima is that they are departed humans. They're dead people. But it's not just like, oh, OK, the soul has been corrupted or they're a zombie now. Instead, a person who has been closely related to the dead person uh, grieves over them and basically makes some form of a wish in their grief, usually relating to I want them to come back to life. While this weird gremlin guy called the Millennium Earl, who is the primary villain of the series, uh, is like, oh, I can bring them back for you. Uh, and he does bring them back, except that what that means is he imprisons their soul in a metallic, monstrous, skeletal, uh, artificial creation that then wears the person's skin. Uh-huh. It's, uh, way more disturbing it's than very dark. <laughs> I should note the series has a lot of like very like dark and unnerving imagery in it in times like uh, a lot of like demonic baby faces in it Mm -hmm. if that's like a thing that really like weirds you out uh, you definitely are going to want to avoid certain parts of this series um and it it definitely has quite a lot of um odd imagery to the akama themselves Mm -hmm. uh so the horrible thing about it is, you know, not just that, like, oh, you know, there's this horrible monster and it's not just that, oh, this person, you know, is this horrible monster, but specifically that they are born because of this act of misguided love, which goes against the nature of things. You know, you, you can't just 
go back and makes the dead come back to life essentially uh and the fact that they take on that appearance also is like a hideous reminder to the person that is usually the first to die by their hand yes that this corrupt monster used to be someone that they loved uh and also the act of doing this again um tortures the soul of the person that had passed so it would literally have been better off if they hadn't done this uh, and tried to bring them back because they would have at least been resting in peace. Uh, so how do you deal with this situation? Well, you get uh, Alan with his giant metal hand to purify them by destroying the Akuma things. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this series. I don't know why. Like, I... Well, I, 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 I can sort of, sort of take a little bit of... Uh a forward motion here. So this series, I, I, I will describe it a lot to bleach if only for a sense of, if you have not read this series, I want you to understand that it has not a like one for one or anything like that, but it does follow early on a very similar concept that bleach does, where it is a series about a young boy who is fighting these monsters and the monsters are essentially created out of the grief created when people become dead, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it is a very personal story. And a lot of the missions or the story arcs to start are sort of like individual episodic little adventures dealing with one particular antagonist, sometimes introducing like one or two new characters, slowly expanding the world, delving into this organization that then becomes like the larger backdrop of everything. And everyone starts getting their special weapons and everything like that. Uh, And then later on, it resembles bleach because it gets very confusing and it is difficult to follow anything that's going on because a lot of terms start getting dropped on you. Uh, I've read this series previously. Uh, I think the first time I read it, it was around like 160 chapters or something like that. It was basically right after they first introduced the level four Akuma. Um, mm-hmm. And I got a little bit past that this time. And even doing that, I got to the point where they're like, Adam or Alan, you are the pianist. And I was like, what the fuck? When did they introduce the pianist? To the thing? <laughs> what is this? What are they talking about? <laughs> That feeling that you just described is how I felt reading almost all of this series. So I'm going to say something that I that I really like about D. Gray Man's character writing and something that I really don't like about it. When you are being introduced whole cloth to a new character, it is usually very good. Uh, there are some which is, you know, there. It's great towards the beginning when it's just like, okay, we're being introduced to, uh, you know, new characters, you know, one at a time as they are involved. Like, you know, Alan teams up with, you know, a new a new hunter on on a mission, a new exorcist, one exorcist at a time. And you get to see what they're all about and stuff. Or Alan introduces like, you know, the character that is primarily affected by what's going on uh, on this current mission. Uh, My favorite character Oh god, what was what was her name? I've forgotten everyone's name in this series. Uh, Miranda. Miranda. It's always Miranda. Love, Everyone loves Miranda. She's love fast. Miranda. She's just she's great. An, she's just an anxiety person who exists to be sad, and I love her, and I want her to have good things in life. 
and she ends up becoming, you know, someone that people are, are you know, can rely upon and stuff when she's felt useless her, her entire life. It's it's very nice that she gets to, you know, grow and stuff. Uh, but when you know, you're introduced characters like that, I think DGM is very good. You get to see what makes this person, you know, unique and special and get invested in the little story that they have to tell about their life. And you want to them to be happy when the gray man tells you. So there's this thing related to Alan or to the order of exorcists or whatever that is very important. Uh, and we're introducing you to the concept in media res while they are very important to the story. You go, wait, what the fuck is this? What's going on? Why does it matter that this person is dead? Why does it matter that this thing is, is in danger? What is this? Who is this? What's going on? And that happened all the time for me. Uh, I can absolutely understand that. Uh, there are, as you mentioned, a lot of terms that get thrown around. There are Noah's and Dark Matter and various characters whose names get like brought up and then you may not even hear from them in a while but they'll be continuously referenced and there's a lot of little things that just kind of crop up now and then um and i will say for the most part i'm able to follow along with that i said there are a couple things where i'm just like what are they like i'm able to pick up when they're like there's a pianist and the pianist plays a song and the song is relevant. And I'm like, I, I gather that. I just, did they introduce this concept and I missed it? Like, am I dumb or something like that? Or is this literally just spontaneously, like, referenced and this is, like, a thing? Um, I I think, I want to talk about what I like about this series. Because I do yeah. like a lot of things about this. There are phenomenally awesome and, like, emotionally heavy moments in this series um, I don't really want to get into spoilers, but there's a, a scene with a ship involving Miranda that, like, legitimately got me, like, very choked up. I had even read it before, and, like, even the second time through, I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, destroying me uh, that I absolutely love. I think the only time I've ever really referenced this series in the grander mythos of WMR was uh, I did a top ten of my favorite fights, and I believe Crowley versus Jazz Dev is on that list. And I read that fight again, and I was don't, like, "Don't don't you mean Crory?" No, I do not. This is the, hate, char- the character's I name is Alistair Crowley. I hate that so much <laughs> that they that they were like, "Well, we can't just call him Alistair Crowley, so we're going to keep this weird <laughs> Crorykins." Like, all right, sure. Uh. Um, but that fight still fucking slaps. Like, I finished it again. I was like, yeah, that fight's fucking awesome. And I also managed to get, like, more appreciation for Konda's fight right before that against a character whose name is, like, Skins Boric or something like that. It's The character names are wild. Um, Like, those are awesome fights. Those are awesome moments. The series, when it strikes, it strikes really hard. But there is one thing I can, I do not care for. And that is, unfortunately, the lead. I, Alan is actually, I think, more interesting than some other characters. Because they they do emblematically eventually establish, like, Alan is kind of a silly character. He's not goofy, but he is sort of like the punched-down straight man that exists Mm. in this world and is very silly and put upon and brings comic relief. So, like, a lot of his fighting stuff is emblematic of that, like the clown powers and things like that. You're like, all right, there's, like, a flavor to this character. But for some reason, when he fights, when he 
does any kind of large-scale conflict, for some reason, my eyes glaze over and I just read words and I look at pictures and I I, I keep flipping until like a, a decisive action has kind of happened because I cannot process it. Like I, it's the same thing with like Ichigo where I'm just like, how do you have this series of people with crazy awesome powers and you've given the least interesting powers to your main character? Like he does nothing cool. He just he just has a claw hand and that's it. Yeah, uh, it's that is I think a bit. Uh, a tricky part to get past. Um, I'm sure that there are people out there who are like, no, Alan's a great lead, but Mm -hmm. I, I I don't know. We've read so many shonen manga that I feel shonen action manga specifically that I feel as though when I've been away from this series for a couple of months, I'm going to just forget what Alan his like combat style was. I might remember he had a hand, but that's about it. Hey, that's fair. That's a good yeah. hand. Uh, but but I, yeah, I, 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 I would say like it is. I don't want to make it sound like he's the worst lead or anything like that. I think he is a good lead. I just don't find him memorable. And he just. It's very boring to watch him doing <laughs> like any like and he has so like. <laughs> The arc I would really like to talk about is like the Noah's Ark arc. Awful name. But <laughs> the Noah's Ark arc is, I think, really cool. It starts off with that. Like, it, it, it's like leading is that big moment with the ship. They get in. There's a lot of big hero moments as our heroes kind of uh, convalesce for the first time in sort of the entirety mm-hmm. of the series. Like, it's weird. You could read this entire series in the Shonen Jump Vault if you have an interest in it, uh, which is great. Uh and it's amusing because you could see like in between pages and they just use those to really emphasize Conda and Alan's like rivalry that does not exist in the text yeah. itself because they stopped interacting like 12 chapters in. Um, but like everyone meets up, you start with these cool fights, you just get everything going, there's all this momentum. And then Alan has this big showdown with uh, his sort of rival character and my eyes just glaze over as I read it and it finished. And I was like, cool, let's wrap this up. And then the other guy gets back up and they have another fight and more wild stuff happens. And I can't process any of it. And then the arc just kind of ends with Alan being very important, which narratively has a lot of sense. You know, mm-hmm. there's been something being let on here and we, we start finding out the clues to it. But it's just one of those things is like. Man, I really liked it when it was just two characters punching each other. I don't know. Maybe like there's just some disconnect that I have with certain parts of the narrative. And when they happen, they happen hard. And I just like I, I just cannot get into it the same way I can certain other scenes. Can I talk about another thing I don't get? Okay, go for it. Lin Ali. Okay. Like in like in general. Yeah. Just in general. I didn't understand. Not not that I hated her. I didn't understand what her deal was, you know? Okay. Like, she... She's... I think we see her on one mission with Alan very early on. Or she... I think it's... I believe it's the mission where Miranda is introduced to. Like, I think she is, like, the one that Alan's basically partnered up with. I hope I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, she she is relevant to but, that. Um, so she, we do see her have a fight in there. Um, 
and we get to see, you know, like what they what her interactions with Alan are like, which don't on like when Alan is teamed up with someone, usually you get the feeling of like, OK, this is kind of what their dynamic is. So, for example, you know, he might have someone that he kind of butts heads with a little bit or he might have someone who finds him kind of annoying with Lunali. It's just that they just kind of just generally get along. But then there's an important thing that happens a bit later where it looks like Alan is going to die. And Lunali is, you know, she is distraught. She is the one that is focused in on in the entire group of exorcists of, oh, well, oh, my God, Alan's dead or, oh, no, Alan's never going to be able to fight again and all this other stuff. And when that kind of stuff happens, it makes me go, okay, did I miss a moment when I was reading this earlier that established that Lanali, not even necessarily because, you know, she is a girl and he is a guy, has romantic feelings for him, but feels this strongly about him and his role in this group. And that, so that was one of the things that kind of frustrated me is that I always felt like if something was made out to be narratively a big deal, it was like you said before of, you know, did I miss something when the piano thing was explained and stuff? Like, did I miss something when I was reading this? that established this for certain characters and their certain, their motivations and their relationships, because it's at certain points, it does feel as though you are expected to understand something is established. And I did not. So hence, I guess that makes sense for why if you're introduced to something completely new, that isn't taken for granted. And so, okay. It was all given to me in that moment. I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I agree. There are certain parts and like character relationships where you're just like, I guess this is just what it is. Like, I'm just going to roll along with it. Cause like, I haven't necessarily noticed this, but like other people seem to be going along with it. So fuck it. I'm just going to say this is, this is the reality. This is actually what's happening. Even though it doesn't always kind of make sense. Um, like, you know, there's, uh, a scene with Crowley where he talks he's like i want to be with these kids forever and i'm like i know you you're fond of them you've had like six scenes with them <laughs> like, <laughs> like some of them you barely interacted with and things like that now there there are very important like trials and tribulations that they've seemed to undergone forever it, the series has this this odd supporting cast where they're present for so much yet they feel as though they don't actually do a lot in those moments, like there is a point where two characters show up. You're just like, who the fuck are you guys? One of them is a character whose name I did not know. And I looked on the wiki. I was looking through like the D gray man wiki later. And I was like, who the fuck is sounds Maria? And I found that it's the guy with the headphones. who always hangs around Miranda. I was like, Oh, I guess we must've learned his name at some point, And I completely forgot or Sonic Maria, something like that. Uh, and the other one, it's great they they go through this it's, it's sort of like the big shonen action arc where like six characters have to invade the enemy fortress and they all like have to split up at different points like you guys go on ahead i'll take on this guy and it's like our core group of characters it's alan conda lenali lavi crowley uh 
Choji, who's just a dude who showed up and is present for all these scenes until he betrays the group at one point, but then gets an innocence and he's a good guy now. And you're like, where the fuck did you even come from? I don't understand. Um, and I, I don't hate it because I'm like, ultimately they will make me care about these characters enough that I'm emotionally invested when things are happening to them. Uh, but it is still one of these things where I was like, there's just this disconnect. There's something that I don't enjoy this series as much as I can clearly tell other people are able to. And I don't judge those people. I envy them because I feel like this would be a really fun series to get like completely invested in. Because there's definitely a flavor and an ambiance to this world that seems really, really fun. I will say that I think that in terms of purely aesthetic this is a more memorable series than a lot of uh the kind of showed in action stuff that you see just in terms of how stuff gets very grim uh and how like the monsters work uh, you know there are people who are turned into zombie robot cannons that also blow up if someone gets close to them uh it's and everything has these weird mouths. Uh, <laughs> I think everything that has, that's evil has a, has a weird mouth, honestly, but it, yeah, it, um, so it makes for in the moments, you know, cool, striking fighting scenes, uh, because you have very often these monstrous entities that just look not of this earth, uh, that are trying to fight the heroes and stuff. Um, and like I say, you know, I think that there are certain characters that are introduced very strongly. I, I also liked uh, Crowley's uh, introductory arc, and I liked the idea of, you know, he's introduced as seeming like he's going to be the villain of this little blood arc. And it's like, no, he's the guy who's going to join the group as a good guy at the end. Because, yes, he is a vampire, but he's an Akama-eating vampire, which is just, that's just so silly. Like his teeth are his innocence and he drains he, and he drains Akuma somehow. What the way is that? It's but Yeah. And he's got this very, very tragic little introductory story that made yeah. me sad because I was like, but why couldn't she just? Oh. <laughs> oh. But yeah, when where I stumble is where I feel like when things are supposed to be elevated and you're supposed to get extra hype. I found myself unable to take that step forward with the series. Um, so I, I feel not disappointed in the series, but frustrated that I couldn't make that connection at that step. Um, because I know that there are people who do very much love the series and, you know, there has to be when, you know, there's a series that has encountered the number of setbacks that this one has. And there are people who are still big fans of it and wanted to see it come to a good conclusion. Um, but I'm not going to be able to make that journey with them essentially. Yeah. I, I, I would say, look, I, I don't think I'm going to sit out waiting for the next chapters of this to come out. Um, I think I've kind of seen the parts I really, really like, um, and I'd be happy to hear what other people say happens uh, as chapters come out. Um, but I, I do think this is a series that is worth checking out. I mean, like, it, it the series does not get 
as much sort of recognition and discussion as I think it should in comparison to a lot of its other contemporaries. It feels rather forgotten amongst like Shonen Jump mainstream battle series from like the early mid 2000s kind of era. Um, and it's 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 a good series, I think. It, it just may not be for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you're one of those people that need every piece of lore kind of explained to you, um, this might be a tough series to digest. I Even as we were discussing, I realized, like, I remembered, like, oh, yeah, Bookman. Bookman is just a concept that's, like, randomly thrown out there at some point that you're like, what yeah. the hell are they talking about? And then, like, You'll be the next Bookman. Yeah, but- and then, like, 40 <laughs> chapters later, you find out what it is, and you're like, this is a weird concept. This is a really weird concept. It was basically like, what if journalists decided to join the military? <laughs> and you're like, I mean, I guess if it's supposed to be an objective battle of good and evil, then sure. But it is still a strange thing. Uh, but it's just a concept that's like thrown out there. It's just like, what? Till eventually it does get explained. It's just you might be kind of clueless when some things get mentioned. And I don't know. I played Kingdom Hearts. I know it's like kind of just roll in the dark for a while until you're like, maybe sometime this will make sense. <laughs> Usually it doesn't. But hey, you still have fun along the way. Now that has Donald Duck, though. This one does not have Donald Duck. So I think that's sort of like a medium that you had to kind of meet in the middle. And I guess. Did you hear about the Kingdom Hearts wrestling signs in the past week or so? Yeah, that this is the best thing wrestling fans have ever done in their lives. Yeah, there was someone who was at a who was at a WWE show. It was at, it was an AEW show first. Rampage on AEW Rampage, someone held up a sign that said Kingdom Hearts isn't that complicated. And so then someone at a WWE show held up a sign that said then explain 358 over 2 days. <laughs> 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 I hope that person comes back on the next AEW show and they have a five sides. <laughs> it just keeps changing throughout the night. And then Rocks is <laughs> It's all about Zion and blah blah blah. Is that how you say her name? Zion, I forget. Shion. I think it's Shion. I don't know. I forget. She's like a character I give you just about. We're talking about Kingdom Hearts. How are we supposed to talk about Kingdom Hearts lore if we can't even decide how one character's name is pronounced? Like, we're at this stumbling block. All right. So that is, that is, I guess, our thoughts on D. Gray Man. Let's move over to... I apologize for the wait then, guys, by the way. People are like, it took you guys, what, like four months to read D. Gray Man? Like, yeah. (laughs) What are you going to do? I don't know. Let's move over to My Hero Academia now. It's chapter number 355, Extras. Uh, so Endeavor falls to the ground. Uh, he, he, got, he, got a, he got an ouchie in his, in his tummy. Uh, that's how All for One would say it, after all. Um, but he's also got lots of thoughts in his head in addition to this. Like he's worried about how Shoto is doing. And he hopes that Toya isn't dead uh, during the battle. Uh, and he realizes that, wait a minute, what's something, something's wrong here. What am I doing? Uh, he tries to get up and he immediately stumbles and falls down. And he thinks to himself that his anger is, is misplaced. I've brought all of this upon myself, this fight, this wound, everything, not everything, everything, most of what you're talking about. Yes. But the wound, no, you got, you got stabbed. So this, of course, still leaves Hawks along with Tokuyami and Jiro uh, trying to fend off uh, All for One. And uh, 
Hawks essentially, you know, takes command of the situation, says, OK, look, we've got it. We've got to hold off until Endeavor gets back because he's the only one who actually has the firepower uh, uh, in order to defeat all for one. So we've got to buy time for that. So what unfolds is the most stress Nick has ever felt <laughs> reading <a> manga. <laughs> This would be like so, if, if in the middle of like uh, Kaguya's big war, Shino was like, don't worry, guys, I'll help take care of her. You're like, no, get out of there, Shino. <laughs> but also stay here because you're getting screen time. Please. <laughs> Remember when Shino was like, I'm going to stop Obito by surrounding him in bugs. And Obito was just like, walk through them. Goodbye. <laughs> Uh, so Hawks ba- uh, point uh, accepts the help that Tokiami's trying to get him, and Offer One's like, "All right, I haven't finished off Endeavor right now. As long as he still breathes, he'll stand back up." Which means during this phase, the hero's goal will be to buy time until he's back on his feet. So I need to just go after the weakest link in their chain here. And for some reason, he goes after Jiro, which I don't understand that logic whatsoever. But uh, he's going after her. Fuck him. Fuck all for one. Worst villain in manga. <laughs> uh, with these weird, horrible mouths on tendrils, which uh, Hawks is able to snag Jiro with some of his feathers and j- joink her out of the way. Uh, and he also tries to attack uh all for one's helmet again with his blades and uh he's continues to issue commands like hey you, you look you need to you know fly evasively i'll back you up uh and tokoyami once jiro has been landed back on his back uh says hey if you aim for all for one's mask you can crack it with sound waves and we'll win and uh jiro thinks to herself while where she's there because she you know acknowledges this and then she thinks to herself you know, I, I thought that I was ready for like anything today, but holy shit, that 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 would have killed me. And I I don't I was I'm actually hesitating because there this presence, this malice is so overwhelming. And she thinks to herself, oh, man, Midoriya and Aoyama, you've been dealing with this threat looming over you this this whole time. Uh, all for one. Makes a thing. Um <laughs> I he don't. He makes a Yu-Gi-Oh card, basically. This thing has a nose, uh, so. <laughs> Nick, I don't know how to tell you this. Most things have noses. <laughs> Prove me wrong. It's like our children's book. Most things have noses. <laughs> In my popular line of children book, most things, most things don't scream. <laughs> They're all kind of a little sc- scary. <laughs> Most things are in your house. <laughs> <laughs> why is it? Why are you just getting increasingly creepy? <laughs> Most things know where you live. <laughs> this book does. <laughs> You've brought it into your home. God. Oh man. So. <laughs> fuck. So all for one makes this giant thing 
And I don't know if it's stretching out towards Tokuyami and and Jiro or if it's shooting a beam of energy. It's a little bit hard to tell what happens in this moment, I have to say, as we've had some moments like this in My Hero lately with what is going on, like what just happened here. So this giant thing stretches out towards Jiro and Tokuyami. Hawk sends out some feathers and manages to hit All for One's arm, which pointed out of the way, but not not all the way out of the way. And All for One is seemingly reveling in what he feels is his pending victory because he knows that Hawks is too weak for him to is too weak to fully stop him now. In fact, Hawks gets hurt trying to do this because All for One sends out more tendrils and attacks him while he's distracted trying to help the kids. Meanwhile, Jiro has an ear blown off, which I somehow find more distressing than if she had just been wiped from existence at this point. Uh, there yeah, is like a, a bleeding. Yeah, that's the fuck you. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so, uh, and all for one talks and he just says, oh, you children just have to be paired off with these big shots. You imagine yourself special somehow worthy of facing the demon Lord himself. And Jiro responds, you want to talk about being scared? or strong, or weak, or special. I don't give a crap. Screw all that. My problem is that you're the one who made my pals cry. And remember, she's just had a hole blown in her the side of her head. So she uses her other ear to blast off her one with a sound cannon. <laughs> um... And all for one tries to be like, oh, you're too weak to do anything. You're so underwhelming. Um, and then all of his quirks rise up against him because I don't know why, because he specifically says, wait a minute, this didn't even happen when New Order was rampaging against me. What's going on? Were my quirks spurred on by this? Yes, they were spurred on because Jiro is too awesome for you. Fuck you. Nick. This is what I tell you. I just paid Horikoshi a bunch of money to make this happen. I was Aww, like, hey. thanks. Yeah, I was like, hey, you know what? Can you just do my big buddy a solid? Can you insert Jiro into one of the most pivotal? Can you make your series moments? better? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I said that. that's why I, I gave money. Like, can you make this better? Oh, oh, I didn't realize you wanted it to be better. Okay, more Jiro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this gives uh, Hawks an opening to fly in while All for One is dealing with um, his quirks rampaging against him and the sound cannon in his face. And Hawks is like, I've been aiming for the one spot in All for One's mask repeatedly over and over again. I've hit it three times with my blades and I've been making this crack in the mask keep growing. And he slashes his sword through the sound wave, which makes it super vibration enhanced because that's how swords work. And he slashes into all for one's helmet and the chapter ends with a big old chunk being shattered out of it, exposing all for one's eye. Let's call it an eye. He doesn't really have eyes anymore. Yep. 
So my Hero Academia is going on break next week. Um, <laughs> I was worried you just mentally shut down. I was like, okay. My Hero Academia is going on break next week, which means that we have to wait until next week, to, uh, the week after that, to find out what happened. But the week after next, I'm not going to be around. I'm going to be on vacation and doing other stuff. That's my announcement, by the way, that I'm not probably I'm almost certainly not going to be around two Wednesdays from now. Uh, so the next time you guys get to hear me talk about this and find out what happened will be three weeks from now. <gasps> so <laughs> I'm sure that I won't. I don't know. I'll keep it. I'll keep my cool. I'll be fine. It's good. Now, it's okay. What happens if you're on vacation and you just you, you're like, well, I have a moment to myself and like the chapter ends with like just all for one punching Jiro straight through the chest or something like that. I mean, I'll read the chapter. Do, do you? That's but... a big question. I was like, do you hold off? Re like, do you? Here's the thing. Because you can ask me, I'll read the chapter. And I'll, I'll I'll shoot you a message. Like you're all you're all clear to read it, buddy. I think you'll like this. Or if I just give you like the, well, why don't you hold off till you get home or something like that? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Okay. I'll be on California time, uh, so you might read the chapter before I do. So maybe we'll never know. Maybe we'll never know. All right. It's a good chapter. I don't. I'm not quite as fond of Jero as you are, so don't put my heart through this. Just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad you really enjoyed this, and I'm glad your character is getting a chance in the spotlight, Nick. Thank you. I think that's awesome. All right, let's move what, on. Is there a, is there a character in, in my Hero Academia in all of it that could make you feel this way? <laughs> Probably Gang Orca. <laughs> think of Gang Orca with Jero like. <laughs> How dare you? I'm never an extra. I'd be like, fuck you, Gang Orca. And it's great because I don't know a personality trait about Gang Orca. I really don't. He just happens to be an orca whale where you're wearing a suit with his tongue as a tie. And I'm like, this is the best character design ever, which is great. Uh, because if you listen to my talks about Pokemon, you'll know that it's exactly the character trait I don't like about Greninja. So somewhere out there, there is a hard line in the spectrum of a tongue as a character's accessory, where tie is a tongue, absolutely phenomenal. Tie is a scarf, ridiculous. Burn it. This Pokemon should never have existed. Well, yeah, you can be tongue tie, but you can't be tongue scarf. That's ridiculous. That would be absurd. Yeah, would be. Oh, you'd feel so dumb. All right, Nick, let's talk about Undead Unluck number one thirteen. Forget. So. Andy is showing down, has a showdown here with Nico, and Nico just says, all of you just forget everything anyway. Doesn't that apply to you too, undead? And Andy's just like, why are you trying to get, and Nico cuts Why are you doing this? <laughs> Nico's just like, I made a deal. A deal with Ghost, to be exact. If I help ruin and, ha and hand over your soul, in exchange, I get my wife's soul. And the reason you came here was to reclaim Foucault's soul and resurrect her and then send her on the loop. So whoever wins gets to reclaim the soul of their lost lover. And Andy's like, this is dumb. Even if you get your wife's soul, she isn't going to come back to life. And and then Ghost isn't bound to honor that deal. And Nico's like, nope, he will honor it because 
That's all these things exist for is to honor mm-hmm. rules. So they're, they're more, more predictable than, than humans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Nico's like, how could you do this? You were part of our team. And, you know, Andy goes to like, you know, uses his little burst move to get close. And Nico takes a stance. He's like, part of the team, am I? And boom, 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 he hits uh, Andy with Shen's technique. And he says, what does it mean to be a team? Does it mean knowing each other? Or does it mean keeping your friends in mind every waking moment? And we see he opens up these pods and he creates living sort of construct dolls of both Gina Unchange and Void Unavoidable. And he just says, Astral Dolls, go. And sends these dolls out to capture Andy. And he's like, holy shit. They have their abilities. Like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. And Andy, you know, Nico's just like, those are the two you killed. Do you remember? And he's like, yeah, of course I do. And he's like, no, you don't. You just simply recalled their memory. Do you remember the temperature and humidity on the day you killed Void? How Void dropped to the ground? The way his blood spilled? The smell? The breath Gina took as you killed her? Her body temperature? The number of scars she had? The shape of the tears running down her face? All of you unconsciously prune information. Forget it. Feed off of it at your your convenience. I remember everything. Everything. Constantly. The pain of losing my comrades. The sadness. All of the information that composes those moments never leaves my brain for a second. So that's why he has circles under his eyes. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, So Andy's just like, why are you doing this? Just like, why are you trying to hurt us? Then you're just going to make everyone suffer more. All of your lab members are dead you've 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 let ruin destroy the place the body's just going to keep piling up and all of it is on your shoulders nico just says this was inevitable and explains how nico came to get this ability uh he says my ability manifested right before my wife's death and from that point on i've been unable to forget anything no matter what it is do you understand what that means It means my mind is being crushed by a never-ending stack of information. And the only memory I have of her is her on her deathbed. There's no way I could possibly be able to hold myself together after that. And he explains, I want to see her again. Once more, before this feeling inside of me that's barely hanging on becomes something I forget. And we get the big two-page spread with unforgettable. Yeah. Unforgettable. That's what you are to me. Yeah. It's it's an incredibly intensely tragic uh, re- angling and reorienting of his character mm-hmm. uh reintroduction to him where it's just like yeah i i get why this guy you know was had a weakness that could be exploited by their enemies it's just that he is just constantly under this mental anguish and he of course was offered something that 
he probably didn't even need to be this you know precise and tempting for him to accept because he's just been on this edge of being crushed by what his own ability does to him this entire time sucks yeah i mean like this like this reveal because everyone's kind of suggested that you know his power was unforget or unforgettable for a while now based off the pun in the name um but no one really knew exactly what that meant the way it's executed and explained here is like it's horror it, like this is to me is like pure almost cosmic level horror like the idea of even comprehending this is terrifying to me like i have mm-hmm. a small level of relation to this like you know, I, I've talked before, but my mom, she had a stroke when I was 18. It's been 15 years since then. And, like, I know what it's like to be like, oh, it's really hard to remember what it was like before with all the memories that kind of happen afterwards. And this is that to, like, the bajillionth degree where it's just like, no, he literally can't forget any detail of anything that happens and all of it weighs upon him constantly and it's Mm -hmm. it's so terrifying and you immediately all of his worst memories are constantly omnipresent in his mind yeah Yeah. and you just know he exists in it and you can see me like yeah i can see why this guy could be turned like the thing he wants is so like hilariously simple like you get his wife's soul back not even his wife just his, his soul back and he wants it because he's like I just need to see her in a state that's not how she was on her deathbed. And yeah. it's like, fuck, dude, that hits so hard. Um, that'd be great if he's also like, I'd like a version of her where she didn't tuck her tie into her boobs. But, you know, whatever, we'll see what we can get and just kind of go off that. Yeah, just the very immensely tragic sentiment of, I just want to have one memory of my wife that's not her staring dead up at me. Yeah. Like, oh, it's brutal. Yeah. Great moment. So yeah, awesome, awesome chapter. And yeah. it, it, with, I love that we're also at the point where it, this does seem to happen more and more frequently recently. Like, Jesus Christ, how the hell is Andy got to get out of this? Yeah. <laughs> so. And now let's continue this train with another great series talking about Eden Zero. Chapter. Unforgettable, like this panty shot. <laughs> uh, yeah, we open. Uh, it's chapter one ninety four. The ether of all things. Our cover page is sister in just her underwear. Uh, I think she's supposed to be like a doll in like an action figure box. Uh, I guess so. I thought that she, I had thought that she was like in looking at herself in a mirror, but I guess that makes sense because when you look at the label and stuff. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be, but I'm like, what toy comes with like 400 accessories? This is the fucking sweet-ass toy. Like, I don't think I'd approve of the model, but you you get like three syringes, a pair of boots, a dress. It looks like band-aids. Come on. Like, value alone. Mm Mm-hmm. So last time, Killer and Clown showed up on Eden Zero. Labilia sees them and is about to scream killer clamps his hand over her mouth and is like don't worry you're gonna end up dead anyway so you don't even need to worry about that and clown's like oh stop it you need to think of death as a sublime event though make let's make her death beautiful uh, and killer's just like i don't give a shit about that moscow shows up and slaps him away and they're like oh your sister's valet and moscow 
is a pervert who's like, no, I'm her minion. And Clown's like, I tried to give you a more elegant term, but sure, I guess. Also, Moskoy managed to sneak up on these guys. Well, they're Moskoy. dumb. They're dumb, so... <laughs> okay, 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 yeah. Um, so Moskoy shows up, then Couchpo shows up and is like, hey, Labilia, go over here. I'll basically... Moskoy will take care of this. And Moskoy's like, all right, you're going to have to deal with me. They're busy with a more weighty mission. And we see he goes to push his button. But then an announcement over the loudspeaker goes, don't push that button, you filthy pig. Uh, and he oinks. Because he's he's supposed to be like a like a degraded slave, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Sister and Hermit show up because, hey. They're the two shining stars who are here and still alive, and these are their counterparts, so they're gonna fight them, and they activate their battle dresses. Whoo! They look a lot cooler now, supposedly. Uh, they're like, we're gonna eradicate all enemies. Um, cut over to the space battle. Bunch of stuff's going on. There's conversation with people on Elsie's ship who are just like, what the hell's going on? Why is Justice here? Like, fuck, I really hope they understand that we are allies and don't just kill us. Uh, we go ship to ship with the various members of the Raytheon Six. Raytheon Six Interstellar. I don't know. I the 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 space police ones uh, to see how they're I, all. I, I will full. I will fully up to the fact that when I was reading this chapter, I got to these two pages and I was just like, yeah, next page. Yeah. Just completely <laughs> did not read anything that they said. Yeah, they, they all just basically have kind of like minor lines of like, I agree, let's 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 do this. Let's destroy Acnologia. And there's some Also we get to learn them. the names of all of their ships. Yes. Which are the Angel Feather. Okay. Alright. All right. The Hot Eye. Alright. Racer. Well, Which Nick, is not Eraser's ship. It's it's Feather's ship. And Feather's ship is not the Angel Feather, which is Justice's ship. <laughs> <laughs> no. Everyone took everyone else's ship. Like, they did, like, a white elephant swap, and they just swapped ships with each other, and it, it mixed everything up. Uh, I like to think that we're going to find out that, like, I like the last I character. Got it. Good job. Like, the last character was like, Oh, sweet. Like, I got fucking the Jaguar spot, and everyone's like, oh, rest in peace, Bob Lucci. <laughs> it blessed up to him. Um, and, and someone's like, that wasn't actually his name. Oh, man, Bob Lucci. He was great. I remember how he could. <laughs> uh, I believe their ships are references to um, the Horatian the Six from Fairy Tale. Because Feather was okay. a member, Angel was a member. Hot, hot eye i think was a member racer was a member and brain was a member it's dumb it's the dumb. brain dust yeah. <laughs> uh so we cut over to elsie and, and justice and elsie's like how long are you gonna make me sit here like this and justice is like normally i would restrain your legs and your neck but i i won't do that right now you should be thankful and she's like no i'm referring to how i'm dressed don't prisoners have a right to wear clothing? Then he gets all embarrassed. It's a stupid scene. So then ships start attacking. And did he just notice that she was wearing so little clothing? What is going on? Come on, dude. Yeah. Well, also, she wasn't wearing that 
when she got beat. So either when he she took her clothes off her. Yeah, I don't know. It's a dumb it's a dumb, weird scene. Uh, a bunch of dragons are flying above overhead and she's like, oh, shit, you have to let me go. I'm going to die if they attack. Uh, and we don't get a conclusion to that scene. We just cut over. Uh, we, we do see like justice looking up and seeing Acnologia. Uh, or Acnoelia, sorry. Uh, we cut over to Shiki, who's running. How many bugs are there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy you a citronella candle that you can just light up in your room every week. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to buy you several Venus fly traps. And then because I think they're a little too slow, I'm going to buy you several piranha plants from Mario that are real. <laughs> So you're going to have to be careful because I don't think they distinguish. I think they just go to bite anything, but they're definitely going to do. They're, they're going to put in some work. Okay. Uh, Shiki's just running around being like, how the hell do I get out I'm of here? I'm just going to have to like touch a superstar before we start the show. Pino is like, hey, I can hear you. I'm uploading coordinates. Shiki, just like spontaneously sucks in killer's memories <laughs> like he's not even he's not even room. there yeah <laughs> i guess it's because killer created this virtual reality so maybe there's a signature of him imprinted in the ether that created the space I yeah i guess that they're they are connected in this moment and now he is you know having an interaction with hermit that triggers it so okay so uh we see a young killer who looks like uh like a high school boy talking with Hermit, who looks like a high school girl, basically, and her uh, killers explain like, ah, yes, ether flows through everything, even this rock. And when it reaches a critical point, that's what we call overdrive. If the ether of this rock were to reach its critical point, do you think it could activate overdrive? Like, yes, I think theoretically that is possible. I think anything can achieve overdrive when it reaches a critical point. So cut over. Who cares, though? <laughs> Like, I, okay. Ether, I understand, is like, okay, no, this is the thing that connects all things. Fair enough. But Overdrive, we have literally only ever seen in combat context, as in, oh, you went Overdrive, so you get a super cool extra power and you're stronger now. So who cares if the rock reaches Overdrive? I just, it's a super powered rock that's not going to do anything. I just want to see because this is this is a series equivalent to like Super Saiyans. I just want to see like a tree that reaches its critical point and just gets long Super Saiyan hair. <laughs> like a fucking cupcake that just has a power level, like a power aura around it. You're just like, I, I wouldn't need this. I, I think it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a little too powerful right now. You got to wait for it to get tired. Um, it's just It's just a weird conversation for them to have this quote-unquote, meaningful heart-to-heart about tra- exchanging philosophies. They're like, yeah, I too believe that all things can achieve Bankai. You're like, okay. It's, it's it's relevant because we're about to get a revelation that Hermit and uh, Killer can use Overdrive, because that's uh, essentially just to wrap the chapter up. Uh, Hermit and Killer are you know, back and forth kind of she negates his code and he's she's just like you did you think you could beat me without even going into battle dress and he's like fuck you I designed to access the superior power of overdrive and activates it and then Hermit's like so was I and she activates her overdrive which makes her boobs and her thighs and her hair get really long um 
her legs make no sense to me right now. There's like a fucking like two inch thigh gap, yet her her fucking ankles are crossed. It's very strange. Her 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 legs come out at very different points of her body, basically. Yeah. Um, but here, what I was trying to say is like that conversation. I assume is meant to be like, hey, these are robots. These aren't people. These are robots. Taint ether drive or overdrive, which would be more interesting if clown hadn't gone overdrive like two chapters <laughs> ago. <laughs> like we know robots could do this. This isn't a surprise. <laughs> So does this mean because we've seen we've seen three of these flashbacks now. And the last one remaining is clown. that we haven't seen is clown and, and, and sister. Does that mean that we're going to get a bit where sister is going to be flirting with just some just some yeah, guy who looks obviously. like yeah, it's, it's, it's a clown. Be some weird fucking BDSM. <laughs> but he'll also be thing. but he'll also be weirdly sexy. Like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be him fucking like uh like bent over like a bench and her like spanking him with one of those big whips and he's just like you ever thought about the cosmos and the way it connects us all <laughs> i i don't think you're gonna be wrong like i i i think that that's what's going to happen i i, like, <laughs> I legitimately actually do not think that's gonna be what's gonna happen i think they're gonna make the two of them like doctor and nurse or something like that because they've given them very stereotypical casual things so far, like uh, wizard and witch were lawyers. I don't think they really gave anything to Valkyrie and, and Brigadine. They were just people. And then here it's like, oh, they're normal high school students. I think you're going to give them something kind of normal to whatever their flavor is. Maybe they will make it weird, though. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It's just this isn't like a chapter I care about. I just yeah. think it. I just think the 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 hermit redesign is very dumb. Like it's just a dumb design. I like it up until you notice the fact that she has gotten incredibly sexualized. <laughs> like I, I actually like the way her hair looks, and um, I like the way that her hair ornament things look. And then it's like, wait a minute, why does she have a boob window now? So. Uh, it, it's just yeah it's there yeah um i will say uh you know does it take away from the message in the series that humans and robots can be friends and robots have feelings and stuff if you have all of the most uh important machine characters apparently have previously been human yeah i kind i i i recall trying to like wax about that originally and i was like i guess we don't really know all the details about this but it does seem to work against the idea of this series we're like but they're not robots then they're They're... all they're all androids or they're robots that have been crafted off of an original humans bring Mm -hmm. like input or or something like they're not fully just like i programmed an ai and gave it a metal body yeah, I mean, like, we'll see if that does prove to be the case or not with 100% certainty, I'm sure, within the next several chapters or so. But, I mean, if that comes to be the case, then, like, what what machines do we have left that don't have that background to them? It's it's going to be, like, what, Pino, Happy, and Moskoy, really. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, Moskoy's a weirdo, and Happy's a pet, and then there's Pino who is still one of the best characters in this stupid series uh, by, by default, really. So I don't know. It's 
You can't you can't do both. <sighs> All right. Let's move on to a good chapter. Akane Banashi. It's oh, I story we were 16. About alien. alien yeah, we, we, we will. We will. We will. Story 16. The Karaku Cup begins. Uh, so uh, Akane Banashi has a color page uh, for this for this week. It's a cool selling, picture. Selling exceptionally well as well. It is. Uh, it's it's uh, first volume uh, outsold the latest volume of uh, me and Roboco, which is like, hey, it's a, it's a good start. And uh, lots and lots of good signs in terms of how well it's selling and the uh, push and marketing that it's getting. So, yay. Excellent. All right. So we are introduced first to our media team that is going to be covering the Karaku Cup, which includes uh, Kashio, the guy that we were introduced to from the magazine before. And he is working with Komi, who is a writer for the same magazine. And she doesn't seem to be quite as enthusiastic about this event as he is. And we get a lot of details about how about the structure of how it's going to work. There are applications that are taken, and then there are 30 people in the preliminaries, which is what they're getting into. And then from the preliminaries, eight people make the finals. Hence, there's the two-round structure uh, that Akai has got to go through. Uh, and uh, Cassio, you know, is explaining all of this to Comey to, you know, give us the exposition and let us know what's going on. And also we're informed that Arakawa and the other judges aren't even going to be there until the round that happens the second day of the uh, competition. So uh, despite the fact that it's a student event, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of important stuff going on. And Comey's like skeptical about this at first. But Kashi says, hey, look, Arakawa is this big pop culture icon right now. So whoever gets his stamp of approval is going to get all these all sorts of work offers. And his apprentice, Kaisei, is uh, big on the scene. So the fact that he's here is going to draw a lot of attention. And honestly, the main point is that this year, this cup isn't just a student event. It's an audition to be the star of the next generation. Patrick Stewart. So. And I do appreciate that Kashi is like, oh, this is so exciting. And Komi's like, whatever. <laughs> um, and Kashio starts pointing out some of the characters that are going to be part of this competition. Uh, first up is one of the front runners, who is actually the defending champion of the previous two cups, Karashi Nerimaya. And get that kid a new wardrobe, because Jesus, what is that? <laughs> um. And uh, he's drawing a lot of attention. Uh, and Comey's like, this, that guy seems kind of shallow. And uh, and Kashio says, well, you know, he's already gotten some job offers from major companies and stuff. So, uh, But he also brings up that there is actually a lot of really stiff competition this year. For example, Hikaru Koragi, whom Comey does know about. And she goes into full-blown mega fan mode because she recognizes her as this very important voice actor. She plays Saruel on Eden's Nova, which I have no clue exactly what this is supposed to be a parody of, but it seems like it's one of those like idol shows. I would assume or so, because like, like, you, you would immediately assume like, well, Eden's Nova, the closest equivalent would be Eden Zero, but you're like, that doesn't look like at all. That it doesn't. Like, it looks like a bunch of high school girls and then a, a tall girl behind it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. 
it looks vaguely like i don't know like love live or k-on or something maybe they sing songs to fight space crime like cowboy bebop but every episode ends with a song cowboy bebop yeah. Uh, so Komi's like, "Oh my god!" And and uh, Sokashio is like, "Okay, okay, okay, okay." Anyway, those are the two front runners, uh, and we see the two of them also interact a little bit. Um, and uh, both of them are like, "Oh, I'm gonna win! Oh, no, I'm gonna win!" and stuff. Uh, and uh, like Hikaru reacts to Karashi, kind of freaking out over how cute she looks by you know just just thinking about like oh you know i who's that guy oh apparently like he's he's a he's a one of my competition i guess i should have glared at him instead no no not really i wouldn't do that so we're just getting a little bit of glimpses of their personalities comey sees the way that hikaru reacts to the situation by going she also takes time to acknowledge all her fans i stan her all right wait, wait. We get we get your thing. We get your thing. Okay. Um, then uh, we get some people approaching Hikaru because they're just kind of starstruck by her. She's recognized outside of the of the Rakugo world, uh, and she actually acts against the wishes of her of her manager, who's accompanying her by interacting with people and talking to them about stuff. Um, but uh, as she's talking with them, someone approaches her and says, "Hey." Your OB is a little bit crooked, and that, I know that can happen a lot if, if you're not used to tying it by yourself. So I'll, I'll help you out. I'll fix it for you. Um, so that happens, and then Kaisei makes his appearance. By the way, we're getting a lot of full-page spreads in, in this because this is an extra-long chapter. It's like 25 pages. So every time like an important character shows up, you get a big full-page spread, give you an idea of what they're they're like by getting, letting you really take in their full appearance. Uh, and so when Kaisei shows up, Karashi and Hikaru both react to him. They immediately, like, we get their impressions of him. Karashi is like, he's oozing with style despite being younger than me. Uh, and Hikaru's like, oh, I've heard that all sorts of agencies are scouting him. So that's him. Um, and Kashio, meanwhile, is making a face. I love this face. It's my favorite expression of this chapter. Uh, and he's just looking over the program. And he says, like, but, you know, in addition to those two, there's this person, the person who Kaisei chose as his favorite to win. And now that Kaisei has shown up, he seemingly approaches Hikaru and says, oh, I'm so glad I'll get to see you compete at this event. I'm so glad to see you again. But, of course, he's not actually talking to Hikaru. Akane is right behind her. And, of course, Akane was the person who helped her with her obi. Uh, and nobody knows who Akane is at this point outside of Kaisei, basically. So Akane makes her appearance. She is wearing, as Hikaru put it before, a man's kimono, which makes her kind of stand out. And Kaisei greets her by name. And Akane replies by going, hello again, and taking a fighting stance. Straight <laughs> and, to go. Straight to throw fisticuffs. And Kaisei says, wait, what, what, what's with your, what, why are you standing like that? Well, because you tried to hug me the last time we met. <laughs> she makes a good point. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's staring at them because they're they clearly have met each other. They know each other. And I was like, well, who is this girl? How does she know Kaisei Arakawa? Uh, is, you know, that if she knows him, that uh, is she older? No, she's clearly like young. So who who is she? Um, 
But uh, Kaisei is like, oh, okay. So after what you said before, does this mean that you're going to accept my invitation? You're going to be my master's pupil? Or perhaps you're just looking to raise your profile? And Akane says, no. I've got a question for Isho or Akawa. And that's the only reason I'm here. Um, and Kaisei kind of mocks her or teases her, I guess is the better word, saying, oh, well, in that case, you can't afford to lose. And Akane says, yeah. And since the day we met, I've never treated this like a mere game. I don't intend to let anyone beat me. Theater. It's it's a sport. Hell yes. <laughs> uh, we cut over to some our peanut gallery, uh, seemingly for this competition, which is Gurika and Kodera. I think it's his name. I'm going to I'm going to get this eventually. Uh, and they're with Akane's teacher, uh, who is going to stand in as our person who knows nothing about Rakuo, so she can have people explain things to her. It's That's very nice. a good character to, to use this for, you know? Very valuable to have that. Uh, you got to have someone who knows nothing about the situation so that they can have things explained to them. So, um, so uh, she's going to... She's a little worried... Uh, and meanwhile, the two actual experienced Rakugoka are talking about what, you know, Akane has been through. And, uh, Gariga says that the last time that he saw Akane, she said that she's managed to turn Jugemu into words. Uh, and Akane is taking the stage to end the chapter as she ties her hair back and she gets this cool little pose as she kind of tosses her, her hair over her shoulder and steps up onto stage. It's weird because the last panel, it kind of looks like she's puffing her cheeks out a little bit. like A little bit, yeah. Um, but I like this. I like that we're introduced to two new characters. Uh, one being like, hey, I don't know. I kind of look like the dude who wrote that otter manga at Bakuman. And then the girl who it's like, oh, hey, I'm a white-haired uh, kind of uh, angel angelic famous uh, performer who is going to be kind of a, a love interest mm. in this series about mm. uh, entertainment industry characters. Huh. Sort of like a, not I should say love interest, but like a rival slash kind yeah. of like a playful energy mm -hmm. with it. It just, it's, it's yeah. something we have never seen. Never I seen, never, never yeah. seen before. I want to share one little detail that I just, uh, only just now noticed, which is that Akane, uh, the reason she's making that face is because she made the character for human and ate it uh, as we've seen her previously in the series. But the way this is illustrated is you actually see the character itself on her hand. You don't see her making the, the full thing. So it looks like she's got the symbol scarred into her palm before she eats it. So I, I do think this is actually a pretty good chapter. I like us. I really like the idea of starting the chapter off with the idea that Akane is not there at all, this is them, these these two journalists who are just focusing on the the two rising stars who are at this competition, focusing on them. And Akane is actually there. It's just the camera doesn't focus mm -hmm. on her until Kaisei comes up and actually directly addresses her. And then you're like, oh, she's in there all along. And like, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was a really cool touch. There, you're using the new characters that you've been introduced to as the point of view focus for that interaction. And yeah, the fact that, you know, even when she is directly interacting with one of these characters and like 
adjusting her clothes for her. She's still not in focus. Yeah. It's it's cool. Yeah. Uh, very well done. And uh, hey, we're getting introduced to some, you know, more opponents for Akane as well. So mm. love this. Absolutely. All right. Do you believe in aliens? No. But okay. uh, I think we'll still talk about this manga. <laughs> aliens area. It's a new series in, Sh- in Shonen Jump. Uh, and um, so there's aliens. Okay. Okay. Chapter one. Uh, we are introduced to our main character, Tatsumi Tatsunami. He is a senior in high school. And um, he is trying to make his way through stuff. He's got to work uh, as well because he's raising his two little siblings by himself. Uh, his little brother looks very weird. Very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, he, he's, he's got to take care of his kid of these kids because um, his, their parents are dead. Oh, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> just sad. Yeah, but there's another problem that they have on top of that and oh, on no. top of having problems, which is that uh, Tatsumi's hand has been acting really weird lately and it's affecting him at his job. Like he, it just starts trembling. And then when he gets injured and he slices it, uh, oh, man, it looks like it's, it's his blood is like boiling or something. And then the wound heals up. What's going on with him? Uh, and also it gets him in trouble and he loses his job. So he goes to the doctor, which I'm sure. Uh, doesn't complicate things any, any further. No, wait a minute. He's in Japan, so he's probably fine. Anyway, so <laughs> there was a moment, and this is just existing in America, where I like saw him be like, "Oh, this hurts. I guess I'll go to the doctor." And I was just like, "How do you even? That would bankrupt you. Like, if you're so hard up on money, you would never see a doctor. You'd be like, I hope this just goes away." <sighs> and I'm like, "All right, the rest of the world." <laughs> Never mind. Carry on. <laughs> but uh, the doctor can't find anything wrong with Tatsumi. Uh, so, but and on his way out, he runs into Senku. Sorry, Hajime Shiraku, uh, a, a guy who's wearing a coat and he has wild hair and he's got a, an X-shaped scar on his on his head. And uh, apparently, he's with the police. And he's like, "Hey, uh, I'd like it if you could come with you." Uh, but you know, this is, uh, this has to do with the fire that you were in six years ago. You want to come with me? No. Fair enough. Okay. So, <laughs> um, and you know, Tatsumi is like, oh, you know, it's the same fire that, 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 that killed my parents. And when the flames were closing in, I saw a shining light. Uh, and the investigator said I was just in shock and didn't bother looking into it further. And my parents had just died. So I guess that's understandable, but then he's trying to get home. There's a weird looking guy that's standing like right by his apartment. And when Tatsumi goes in, there's another strange person inside. And oh, my God, they've both got black eyes. They're from. Oh, my God. They're from the X-Files, Quinn. Oh, oh, they've got black. Like Mulder and Scully. Yeah, that's what they were. (laughs) I didn't watch X-Files. Were they the aliens? Were they they the bad guys? Maybe there was an episode where they were the aliens. I don't know. So I remember one thing about the X-Files. And I think because my parents or I shouldn't say parents. My mom watched it a lot. Uh, and I know I, I feel like I've seen this episode like eight times and nothing else. Uh, there's an episode with like a circus, like a like a freak mm-hmm. show circus kind of thing. 
and uh, Scully, at one point, they show a person eats a bunch of bugs, and one of them just hands the jar of bugs to Scully, and she just tries one, and hearing that, like, oh, well, for that, they had a fake bug in there that she would eat that wasn't actually a bug. And I was like, because that, this was, like, before the internet, so this was the most mind-blowing, like, you would have gone to work the next day and be like, hey, everybody, gather around, and let me tell you about this little trivia tidbit from the x-files she didn't actually eat a single bug <laughs> it was just a plant turns out they lie in television <laughs> and you didn't you can't do a thing about it it turns out scully's not even her real name <laughs> turns out that turns out david Duchovny doesn't even work for the fbi so uh the the people start making threats to tatsumi and one of them uh you pokes the wall with the finger and the wall goes kroom and tatsumi's hand reacts and shakes and trembles and gets all and they're like oh that's what we want that's too precious for an earthly to have and oh man tatsumi's hand has turned pitch black and one of them goes allow me to explain because, you know, everything's got to be explained very calmly to him, which is radio waves and electromagnetic waves interfere with each other because many forms of energy travel in three dimensional space and in similar types of waves. Even an earthling should be able to understand that your right hand's poor condition is the result of interference from outer space energy. Because there's an outer space thing that's it. it, it in his body and, and it, it makes his, his, his body re- react weird. So Tatsumi's like, I have to get out. Oh no, his kid siblings are here. So he's like, no, run away. But they get snatched. Um, uh, and uh, they're like, oh man, well, we got to kill these kids because they've seen us alien people. So Tatsumi tries to, to stop them and he reaches out towards them and he turns into Michael Jordan from Space Jam and his arm stretches out uh, in order to save them. And he punches the guy into the wall uh, because nobody in Shonen Jump has stretchy powers, punching powers. Uh, uh, but he knocks the guy through the door and into the parking lot outside and he ricochets between doors and a wall. Uh, and then Tatsu's arm goes back to him and he's like, what's going on? Uh, and the other alien guy calls him a foul you monkey. You gum gum fruit. Uh, <laughs> You're made of rubber. Um, yep. So uh, Tatsumi gets slapped. And the alien guy is like, how dare you? I'm going to kill all of you. Uh, and uh, Tatsumi's kid siblings uh, start to collapse under his um, hockey. Uh, and Tatsumi's like, you've got to run away. But instead, his little brother walks over to him and um, looks ugly and crying over near him. And Tatsumi's like, this. I've I... got to protect my siblings. Right hand. I know you see this and you're like, stupid kid. I hate his face. It did make me a little emotional at this little kid's like, I just don't want to leave you. Like, it was like, oh, I could see that. I just think he's ugly, but okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So Tassimi's like, oh, if my right hand does the thing again, then I could fight this guy off. But the guy says, it's technology. A monkey begging won't make it work. You fool! Uh, and the uh, the scarred cop guy from before shows up and uh, he's got a cane that uh, he um, tases the, the, the alien guy with. And um, 
then uh, he, he 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 hooks him with with the 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 grip of the cane and 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 and, and pins him to 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 the ground and and then he's got a rubber band which turns into um, bonds because it's space tech and uh, they capture the alien guys because the, the the FBI shows up and and captures them sorry foreign affairs five show up and capture everyone. And uh, they use neuralizers to erase the neighbor's memory so that they don't remember this. And uh, they're like, hey, Tatsumi, you know you've got, you've got that very obvious scar on your forehead that's stitched up? Yeah, there's a thing embedded in your head. It's, it's, so we want you to work with us so that we can create coexistence between aliens and earthlings. End of chapter. Yeah, you, 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 you described it. Um, I don't have a ton of thoughts on this series right now. I won't say it's bad. It is just physically there. And sometimes maybe that's all you need. Maybe this series gets amazing like 10 chapters in. So I won't I won't say anything too negative. It has not had an effect on me yet. Uh except that God Tatsumi's siblings look hideous and and so weird. <laughs> So, so if you're, so I think that's part of the reason why this didn't really work for me is that I was like, uh, I don't feel any sense of actual care that these weird-looking children are in danger. So, but um, yeah, it, it is there. I agree. We'll see if it gets better. All right, Blue Box. It's chapter fifty-five. Uh, I have two things to comment on before we get to the chapter itself. Please go ahead. One. Uh, the cover page, uh, Chinatsu is eating a picture. Like, that is not food. That is a picture on a napkin that she is eating. There's no depth to the picture. Thus, I can only presume Chinatsu ordered a picture of food <laughs> and is eating that as her meal. She's, she's dedicated. She's gone too far. She can't back out of the situation. Uh, Taiki has ordered a personal pan pizza for himself. That is a bad move when you are on a date. This is not the and right fries. Move. Yeah, <laughs> this is not the right move to go with. I'm going to tell you right now, you are going to regret that. He already seems to regret this decision. So I'm just saying, this is the, the poor decisions were made all over this this meal with everybody involved. That's a lot of carbs he must be eating too. It's too many. It's too many. I know he has to refuel. You know, growing boy and all that. But I'm I'm just saying. You know, this is the girl you like. You're not going to win her over by eating the whole fucking personal pan pizza by yourself. <laughs> it's like, all right, Chinatsu, you want to go somewhere? Uh, I'm so bloated. Uh, I'm so gassy. Uh, I shouldn't have eaten what I... I tell you, I like you. <laughs> I shouldn't have eaten what I assume is uh, just a splattering of cheese and maybe pineapple pizza? Question mark. I don't think it's that kind of pizza, but yeah. I don't think it is either, but uh, you know, trying to think of it. Hey, what are you going to do? All right, let's get to the chapter itself. Yeah. Uh, Yusa showed up for the uh, practice match, and the people are observing him. He is clearly very, very skilled. Uh, he walks off uh, while people are observing him, and uh, his weird senpai talks to him. He's like, hey, uh, you know, in the game you were playing just now, you could have uh, stopped him from getting even five points. See, when you returned with a cut in the latter half, Instead, I would have smashed it. And he just used to just doesn't list him, just walks past him, slumps against the wall and goes to sleep while he's in the middle of talking to him. 
Um, yeah. And uh, he's very dismissive of what his senpai is trying to tell him, basically. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Uh, and he's like, look, I, I can't listen to you. I'm, I'm focused on trying to take on that guy. And of course, he's observing Haru. Uh, and uh, so they're like, yeah, I mean, he did go to nationals, I guess. Uh, but uh, Yusa says, yeah, he aims for the absolute worst spots. So he's fun to go up against, which his senpai does not understand at all, which I mean, they're two different types of people, clearly. So instead, uh, but instead, Yusa is going up against now uh, against Taiki. Uh, and so they take this, the, the court against each other. Taiki is looking very, very subdued. Uh, and he just thinks back over all the stuff that he's been through recently, but also about how badly Yusa beat him in their previous match. Uh, but he gets set, he smacks his, his racket, and he says, all right, may the best man win. And Yusa's just like, all right, good luck. We pan out to where Hina is uh, up on the railing. Uh, the, the, I'm not sure what you would call that. Is it a balcony? I don't know if it would be called a balcony. It's that pathway that runs along the outside of the gym. Yeah, it's the, the walkway on a second level kind of yeah. shit. I didn't grow so, up at a fancy enough school to have one of these. So, One time it was raining outside when we were doing the run. in a, in a Because, you know, like if you have a physical education oh, the class. Shuttle, the shuttlecock? No, 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 no. no. Uh, it, was, it was just um, at the gym. I can't remember if this was a national requirement or just like a state requirement or what, but if you were in any form of physical education class, they would have you run a mile at the start of the class. And then you had to run the mile later. And it was like, and if you improve then the physical education class is doing its job, but they had us run it one time, uh, indoors along this walkway in the gym instead of outside because it was raining outside. And it, yeah, it was terrible because like you couldn't actually run as fast as you wanted to go because there wasn't enough room for you to really run effectively. Like... And every, t- uh, and also every time that you reached a corner and had to turn, you had to slow down because you would hit the wall and there wasn't a gradual turn. So everyone did like their worst times doing that. And it was like this. this look, this was a, this was clearly a bad idea <laughs> for you to do this. Someone's like, yeah, but I, I'm doing something next week, so I can't reschedule it. Look, I'm underpaid as a teacher, and on top of that, I'm teaching sports education as a, as a high school teacher. Like, screw you. <laughs> Some people love it. I don't know. Hey, I'm glad for the people who are, but uh, I do wish that they were compensated better. So I agree. So anyway. In the series itself, they're up on the walkway, Hina and her friend. I don't even know if we've ever been introduced to this character, honestly. But anyway, Hina is has come to watch Taiki play, but instead she's just in the corner with her head hidden behind the curtain of the window as if she could possibly be spotted by anyone in the position she's in anyway. Uh, and her friend's like, hey, come on, you, you said you were going to cheer him on, right? And he just said, no, I said, I come watch and say, I'd cheer him on. Uh, but her friend says, like, hey, come on, this is Taiki's revenge match against the guy who beat him at the prefecture, prefecture, prefectural qualifiers. Right. And he was like, yeah, well, I but I don't want to see Taiki like that. And, and I didn't know what to say to him back then when he lost. 
And her friend's like, why are you saying he's going to lose this time, too? And he was like, I'm not saying he's going to lose. So her friend's like, hey, you know, they've started. And look, you don't have to worry about what you're going to actually say to Taiki. Why don't you just watch for your own sake? So Hina pauses for a bit and then decides to make her way back over to the edge of the walkway so that she can watch Taiki, uh, Taiki's match. But she still doesn't want to be seen while she's doing this. So she army crawls over to the railing to watch it because she's a big old dork. Um, and uh, Taiki starts to get into it. Uh, rather, Hina starts to get into it as she's watching Taiki. But she notices that someone else is watching. It's Chinatsu. And she's watching the competition with uh, Nagisa, I think is her name. Her friend from basketball. So uh, they're watching this, and um, as they're as they're going about it, um, Nagus is like, "Hey, um, look, I'm sorry if this is improper, but uh, were you with him on your birthday? Because I'm sure, like when we were on the phone, that I heard a guy's voice for a brief second. So are you guys dating? Come on." <laughs> And Chinas is like, I'm staying with his family while I'm, you know, separate from my family because our moms are old friends. And she just gives, you know, a, the brief, you know, explanation. And she's like, and so <laughs> Nagasa turns to her and puts her hands on Chinas's shoulders and says, are you freaking stupid? Why are you you're living with a guy your own age? What if what if something happened? A great historical figure once said that all men are beasts, which is one thing. But then she goes on to say, my own little brother had his censored go censored with a censored. Which I don't know what that is supposed to in any way imply, but the fact that she references her, her little brother has me very worried. So. But I do love Chinatsu's reaction, which is like, what do you mean if something happened? And she like immediately recalls all of the weird, tense, romantic moments that she's had with Taiki. And she's like, what? Nothing happened. I like that there's a very distinct, like, like, it's like, what do you mean? Nothing happened. <laughs> like, it's like there's such a distinct pause there where she just zones out staring at the ground. Nothing happened. <laughs> no, nothing happened. Nothing happened to them. So Nick. I'm gonna uh-huh. I'm gonna start up a new top ten. Uh top ten greatest moments of characters saying nothing happened in manga. So far this is number two. Number one is of course Zoro saying nothing right. happened uh, at the end of Thriller Bark. Uh so eh, send in your recommendations, everybody. Characters nothing saying happened. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so Nagisa kinda of backs off and is like, All right, I, I admit I don't know about the situation. I do wish you told me about it earlier though. Um the they turn their attention back to Taiki's match. Uh, he's now trailing behind five to two. Uh, and Nagisa says, you know, I don't know how you would even actually consider giving thoughts to living with a stranger like that. I mean, what if it turned out he was like a total pervert? And Shinatsu's quiet for a minute. But then she looks at Taiki and she just says, well, it's not like he was a total stranger, which is one of the first times I can remember them actually calling back to their interaction in the first chapter before the premise of the series was laid out. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where we close out uh, for this week. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like showing the, the sort of 
I don't know. We haven't seen the match really come to, I guess, like a full fruition. But I, I do like showing like, hey, Taiki is a more – this match is probably going to be more interesting than the last one was. And I, I'm I'm excited to see that. And I, I always like how they tie everything into the context of these relationships. It's just – it's I don't know. It's very well done. Yeah. And I like that we get, to, you know, more and more of a look into – Hina and Junatsu's personalities and, and you know, how they are connected to Taiki and stuff. I, I, I think we got two really, really nice uh, little jokes uh, for both of them. Yeah. So, good stuff. Let's talk about our favorite chapter this week. <sighs> Doron, Dororon, yeah! Now, Nick, wouldn't it be crazy if, you know, we had to see these characters encounter a new challenge, and who knows if they're going to be able to overcome it? Uh, oh man such tension yeah excitement i'm excited to see the new trials and tribulations these characters are going to go through because these characters have reach uh, have rich and deep souls that i cannot wait to digest like i just i i love i love seeing them go through life and having everything just all the experiences they that just a tapestry. These characters are a tapestry upon which literature is built upon. So now Tora kills a Cyclops thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, oh, does she kill it? I don't even remember if she actually finishes it off in this or not. They both kill a Cyclops at the end of the chapter. Okay. She's fighting a Cyclops thing. Uh, she gets sprayed with water, so her wild hair is flattened down, and she goes, tee-hee-hee, this is fun. Dora is fighting a Cyclops thing, and its armor is really tough, so Kusanagi has to pull him away so that they can regroup. And um, Dosan is observing them, and is going, hee-hee-hee-hee. Uh, and then Kusanagi and Dora are like, we have to find its weak spot. And they go, it's its eyes, which is weird because it has one eye, so I don't know why they say plural eyes. But anyway, they're like, well, let's go up here for a better position. Let's merge our spirit power and get super strong. And then they they, 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 they beat it. They beat it. And, then, and now Tora beats the one that she's fighting. Now, Nick, I know we blazed through the chapters, though we didn't care about it whatsoever. But that is not true. This chapter had a lot. It had action. It had drama. It had suspense. Had character building. It had puppies. It had puppies. Mm. It had antagonists. Nick. It did factually have antagonists. Yes. All these things it did have. Like when we come to the end of this series, we're going to look back and be like, remember the Dosen arc? That was a good time. Everything (laughs) everything sweet and Doron happened in the Dosen arc. Oh, yes. Great early villain arcs in Shodan Battle Manga. Everyone's going to be Zabuza, talking. Grand Fisher, Dosan. Dosan. Everyone loved him. Ninja brings up a great point. They established that the, uh, the the Cyclopses have a weakness that it's their eyes and they don't use the eyes to defeat them. No, they just slash through them. They both just get stronger and kill them. We have to fight. We have to fight this smart. We have to attack the weakness, or we'll just be so much stronger than these things that will attack the strongest part of their bodies and kill them anyway. I want to retroactively go back to like 2016 or whenever Black Clover first came out, and like 
apologize on its behalf because like we shit all over that series when it came out but like even i can look back and be like that series is like this man is (laughs) it's so goddamn painful um (sighs) i don't know Ayashiman ended. That was sad, but I guess you don't care. Yeah, about I that guess either. Did, I was gonna say I, I'm, I'm preaching was to the it, wrong. Did part. it have a satisfactory conclusion? Was it was it fun? Did, did everyone have a good time with it? At least at the end. Okay. Yeah. All right. I've got a puzzle for you. <gasps> Is this podcasters uh, perpetuate particularly poetically phrased propaganda? Yes. <laughs> Whatever that is. All right. Here's the clue. Projectile posse's Patty Prince, phantasm possessed. Ben Balor. That is absolutely correct. There we go. Bingo. Patty's projectile posse. I was like, "He's an Irish boy." Do you, did you get what projectile posse was? Projectile. Oh, Bullet Club. There you go. There so. we go. And then uh, I'm pretty happy with that. One. Yeah, that's a good so. one. That's a very good one. Nailed that one. Got that one out of the way quickly, too. Normally, we struggle on that, right. but we just blaze straight through it. Well, we got a few more chapters to go through, so it's a good thing. Here's Pippa Pippa. Pippa. I was trying to count the puzz. All right. Fah. It's chapter chapter 35. Fah. Fah. Um, so we see... Um, I don't know this character. Talking with Furusu. <laughs> This is the character who just sort of like spontaneously showed up in the manga, had an emotional moment during the Rager arc, and has just kind of been present for stuff since then. I forget the okay. character's name, I and I don't care. They are they are the Tristan of this series core group, and you're just like, sure, come along for the ride, I guess. Soon the sun will be up. So Furusu uh, says that, uh, yeah, Lucky's mother has regained consciousness, but he, he's clearly still in a funk over this. He's he's clearly very distracted and worried about his mother. Um, they kind of follow Lucky as he stands up and, and leaves the, the classroom that they're in. And they come across this crowd of people who are swarming around Fanta who is outrageously tall, by the way. I, I don't know if we've stressed that enough in his previous appearances, because he is... Th- these girls are only barely coming up to, like, his pecs, so he has to be over six feet tall easily. Yes. Um, so... It is It is very interesting to me. These are septuplets with yes. just astonishingly different genes. Like, all of them wildly different. Mm-hmm. Uh... And one of them looks like an old man for some reason. <laughs> and everyone loves Don. <laughs> so Fanta signs autographs for people, but he, he notices Lucky. And so he, he he tries to make his way over to him. And they go and they talk in, in a music room. And Fanta says, like, all right, you came calling to me like some idiot as soon as I arrived in Japan. What do you want? And Lucky gets right to the point. He says, look, mom had an episode. Uh, she regained consciousness, but she's mostly just sleeping now. You should go see her. And I look, I know it's my fault that we had to live separately. I understand if you bear a grudge against me over it. But if you don't see her, she she and he can't bring himself to say, you know, what he's worried is going to happen. It's very clear. Uh-huh. But Fonta just goes, how depressing. Come on. We're going to perform at a fun festive event. Dude, that's your mom. Dude. <laughs> So 
He says, okay, well, how about this? If you win our competition, I'll go see her. So quit looking all depressed. Try to act like you're having fun, at least. And Lucky's like, look, who cares about this event? This this isn't a game. And Fanta says, game? And he grips Lucky by the shoulders and then pats him on the shoulders and says, this is work, you idiot. God, he's so unnerving. <laughs> so the fans that had been drawn around him before are kind of like stalking Fanta and they are looking in through the soundproof window at what's going on. And they're like, what are they talking about? Oh, but look, they're getting along so well because Fanta's laughing and patting his brother on the shoulders and stuff. And it's one of those things that just kind of it just kind of pushes home that. Yeah, Fanta says all these awful things, but he always says them in this way that makes it seem like he's very happy to be around you, despite the content of his of his uh, dialogue. Uh, but then we get a full explanation for why he is this way, because as he's walking away from Lucky, he says a pianist entertains the audience no matter how they feel. And then he turns and looks at the, the audience that is gathered and he leaves the sound room and he says, oh, sorry to make keep you waiting. So, uh, listen, I'll make up for it by uh, playing something for you. What, what, do you. what do you want me to play? And so all everyone kind of like gathers at, at the open door to the sound room and uh, they say, oh, I want to hear something fun. So Fonda says, OK, I'll play Grand Valse Briante. I don't know even what language that is, let alone how to pronounce it. Sorry. Uh, but he says, like, oh, it's a fun song. It'll make you want to dance. And it's fit for a theme park's opening ceremony. And immediately he starts playing. And we are introduced to Fanta Fantasyland, <gasps> which how this doesn't have the Fanta girls in it is, is shocking to me. Like, you <laughs> but everyone's immediately engrossed in it. They say it's like it's raining gems uh, and they're like they're all wearing dresses Yes, all of them are wearing dresses, including Dada Sensei, which Furusu thinks is very, very funny. It is funny because he's embarrassed by it. That's where that's where humor comes from. So. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, they they notice that, oh, yeah. So Fanta is sculpting this performance specifically towards the high school girls in the audience. And if and he is apparently the only one to have all the siblings who actually considers the audience he is performing for. So if it were in a competition, he'd be playing with more analysis because he would want to be impressing the judges. Uh, so he could do something with more movement. He could do something with more romance, grandiosity. And by changing the setting, he can express anything in this world through his theme park. That's Fanta Odogami's fantasy. And... So he has a similar ability to basically all of the siblings to make people force them to have an experience, but he does it in a way that makes people happy. And he always does that. Uh, and Dada says that this is a good chance for Lucky because this will allow him to think about whether or not he wants to become a pianist. Yeah. A nice good. furthering of the introduction for Fanta, I think. Yeah, I think this was a great little exploration of Flanta, Flanta's character. Uh, I even like the little detail of being like, oh, if he wanted to do it, it could be different. And showing how they would change 
slightly like, oh, something with more movement. You see a roller coaster and something with romance. You're like, oh, wow. Like, a very cool way of, like, innovatively showing that, like, they could change it, but keep it all to the same theme of, like, Fanta creates amusement parks. And that all ties to his his philosophy of, like, it is all about entertaining the, the people and, and all that. It's just, I don't know, I like little touches like that and just how everything feels like a very cohesive idea is being executed. Mm. Good stuff. All right. Yeah. Nick, let's talk about Mashal, Magic and Muscles. You look strong. I like that. Uh, chapter 110, <laughs> The Divine Visionaries and the Army of Evil. Evil. So the city was under attack, as the opening narrator says. Uh, and a giant demon thing is punching, being like, Stay put, you damn trap, so I can kill you. And we are reintroduced to Sophina Biblia, the knowledge cane, who says you should curb your vulgar tongue lest you regret your words. And we're introduced as well to Demi Arms, chief of the gargoyles. Then he's murdered because she writes words into him that basically tells him to, like, rip his own body apart. Uh, well, he, he says a line. She like, takes in what he says and twists it around. Yeah, because so. he, he says you should tear off your limb. I, I should tear off your limbs and make shish kebab out of you. And she twists his words and he's like, I should tear off my limbs and make shish kebab out of me. And he's like, wait, what did I say? What am I doing? Oh, God. And he just starts ripping himself apart, making himself into shish kebab. Pretty brutal. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, but really cool. <laughs> We're then reintroduced to Sarara Hailstone, the Ice King, and of course the Chief of the Centaurs, Paolo Torte. But then dies because she freezes him solid. <laughs> and we see Sarara's kind of gimmick is she is very cold. She's the Ice King, and she hates it. She hates how fucking cold it is. She slips on the ice she makes, and she's like, "I wish I had like warm fire magic. My magic sucks, and I." immediately empathize with this girl because i too hate the cold and i hate it with a passion if i had ice magic i maybe never would use it i'd be like fuck it i don't have magic it's very grim how she busts her own head open because she slips on the ice yeah we are then introduced to unfortunately just the chief of the orcs don't get a name very disappointing no uh, and then reintroduced to Agito Tyrone, the Dragon Cane, who is basically mumbling a prayer for forgiveness. Uh, and the chief of the orcs is just like, what the fuck are you doing? As the, you know, uh, Agito just does this entire fucking prayer about, like, let us continue on our selfish pack and spare us the, the unclean lives we must live. And then a dragon comes out and murders the orc. And he's just like, I've sinned again this day. This makes 9,978 <laughs> times. I pray that tomorrow is better. You're like, holy shit, this is dark. <laughs> I, I I love it. Like, he's just, I mean, of course, because of his title, we were like, oh, he's got some sort of dragon magic. But I do love the take that he's like, yeah. And he's traumatized by it because he can't control the fact that he a dragon that kills everyone. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the oldest brother's name. Uh, it's a very simple name. Yeah, it is. Much. It's Doom, I think. I think it's just Doom. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we see Doom, and we are reintroduced to Renatus Raval, the immortal Kane, who's like, ah, sweet. It was a good idea for me to jump on ahead. I found the big boss first. And since the others aren't here, I get you all to myself. 
And Doom kind of like lowers the sword, hits the ground, there's a bunch of big crack, and then he slashes, and we just see Renatus torn into pieces, ripped into chunks. And Doom finishes wiping off his sword. He's like, I don't know what you expected of me, but to me, this was really meaningless. Uh, and he goes to turn away, and then Renatus is a giant claw coming at him that he, he cuts apart. And we see that Renatus is basically Andy from Undead Unluck. He could just repair himself over and over again. We see his like ten, like his muscles kind of pulling themselves back together. And Doom just says, hmm, an immortal is Renatus. It's like, this is what makes life worth living. And end the chapter, back with Melia Duel, who's just like, God damn it, I told him killing him might kill him. So if he actually dies, it'll be his fault. But I want everyone to know I warned him. <laughs> I like that that's her priority, that she's like, oh, man, if she dies, people are going to say that I killed him. No, get up. You have to not get up. You have to save the world. Not. Oh, no, Mash. I hope that you don't die. But no, Mash, Mash. It, don't make people think I killed you. Yeah, it can't be my fault. It can't. And we see the little dial. Not it's again. Gone, <laughs> it's gone up to 30 percent. The longer we spend with her, the more I like her. Yeah, she's 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 fun. It's weird because she occupies the role of like a like a Genke or Sundare or not Sunday Sunade and those kind of things but has significantly less screen time so really like there should be nothing to latch onto but she's just so goofy that you find Mm -hmm. ways to do it Mash is is pretty good at that yep so uh, but we got introduced to a bunch of the Canes who immediately made a lot of that army that Immortal uh, Zero was uh summoning um completely irrelevant oops yeah it was cool like these are characters who like especially like the women we had seen never like we did at least get a scene with renatus and um agito when they tried to fight i think it was um what was his name domina the the water brother Mm -hmm. Uh, so we did get a scene with them but we hadn't seen anything of the two uh female members of the group so mm-hmm. it was kind of cool getting to see them do something. The two yeah. of the group, I should say. Yeah. And uh, they're also, of course, very different from each other. Yeah. One's kind of silly and one's just very horrifying. Yeah. So good stuff. All right. Let's move over to the Elusive Samurai Chapter 65 main fight 1335. So uh, Tokyuki takes a moment to pray over Shokan's body, you know, knowing that, OK, this was a, a worthy opponent, uh, one that has forced me to grow as a soldier and as, uh, as, a, as a warrior and as a leader. I will cherish my victory against this man. Fubuki takes up his sword and he's like, I'm going to cough his head. <laughs> and Tokyuki's like, do you have to? Can we just leave him here? And Fubuki says, look, the fighting is still going on up there. But if we display his head, then the enemy's morale will break and they'll surrender. And that'll help us to minimize loss of life. So Tokyuki hesitates for a moment more and then he nods and says, okay, yeah, go ahead. So Fubuki cuts off Shokan's head. He's definitely dead now. <laughs> I think last week I was like, I mean, hey, he survived some weird shit before. I was like, no, I, I, I don't know if we're going to ever be able to justify in a series with this kind of setting. Oh, yeah, you can get your head chopped off and live. Uh, and we get some narration explaining, look, th- this might seem completely and utterly barbaric, but in this day and age when photographs don't exist, how do you prove that someone's been killed? You basically have to take a part of their 
body and what better way to identify someone than their, you know, head. So there you go. And uh, they go and rejoin the main army. Uh, the remainder of Shokan's uh, forces that are still fighting uh, surrender and they turn over their armor and weapons. Uh, Ayako and Kojiro uh, congratulate Tokyuki on his on his victory. Uh, the leader of the um, group that they have joined up with congratulates Tokyuki on on his victory. And then he says, look, all I knew about you was that you were favored by Yoroshige Dono. And so we were reluctant to follow you because we thought you were only appointed because of nepotism. But the way you fought before, but we understand. I'll, I'll never hesitate to fight by your side again. And Tokyuki says, oh, so you won't pick your nose anymore? No, for you have filled my heart's nostril. Which is a great line because that makes no sense. But <laughs> So from here, they're going to go and join Yoroshige's main force. Uh, and we cut over to Sadamune, who uh, has a message that was given to him by Shokan ahead of the battle, because with with basically the instruction of "Look, read this if uh, if my messenger hasn't arrived before sunrise." And so he opens up and reads it, and basically Shokan anticipated, "Okay, in this case, I've died in battle, which means you need to abandon the pincer formation and go join the Kakushi's forces," uh, and. Please see to the needs of my men because they're foolish and simple at heart. But if you give them proper compensation in five years, they'll stop being a ragtag group of rogues. They'll become devoted warriors to their Lord and the world may forget my name, but I would be satisfied if you to whom I owe so much were to remember that a warrior died here. And um, Sawamura had apparently a pretty good relationship with Shokan because he's like, you were too sincere as both a rogue and as a warrior. And you died before I could show you how to live in this world. Uh, and so he closes up the message and he goes to follow these instructions and leads them on a retreat. Uh not Ichikawa, though, who uh, is going crazy on a bunch of the Hoshina's forces, cutting them down. Apparently, he he got stronger, but uh, as he chases down a group of the Hoshina's forces, um, he comes just to a river and with no one in front of him. And it turns out that he has been led into an ambush, and the three generals have him cornered against against the water, and a big conflict erupts between all of their forces. Then we cut over to Yoroshige's headquarters where Tokyuki's group rejoins him. They've got Shokan's head in a bag. A very handy, very decorative little bag. Uh-huh. And Yoroshige's like, good job murdering that man. <laughs> um, but uh, hey, things went really well for them. But they point out that, of course, the main fight is still going on with, the, you know, there's the, the Kokushi's fortifications and troops that they've got to deal with. Sadamai's troops are arrayed in a defensive formation. And so they say, look, if we stumble at this point, then our plan falls apart. So we've got to act quickly. Uh, and Tokyuk is like, yeah, and I don't really know how Sadamai is as a general. I just know his strength individually. So do you think that we can actually win here? And Yorishige says, I am not confident, but if I participate, it is not impossible. After all, I am a god. Mm. And he picks up this weird, wavy-looking katana that is offered to him by a vassal. And that's where we end our chapter. 
It's a cool little uh, endings ending scene with Yoshi being like, "Hey, remember, I'm a god." So. Yeah, it's like a little like follow up chapter to kind of show where things are and how we're getting to yeah. the next sort of big arc. I do really like the reactions that people have to Shokan's death. It's you know emphasizes that like, yeah, this is a horrible monster, but people respected him because of that warrior pride thing. So, yeah. all right. And let's close things out with chapter 1051 of One Piece, Shogun of Wano, Kozuki Momonosuke. Who's going to be the Shogun? we got to find out in this chapter. Okay. <laughs> it could be anybody, Nick. It could be anyone. <laughs> well, never know. You know, we got to read the chapter to find out. You can't make judgments too early. So... Uh, we see people reacting to the uh, sudden arrival of giant dragon Momonosuke and the remaining members of the Akazaya 9. And uh, people are kind of like, well, I mean, we recognize Kamurasaki and and Denjiro, which is not what he goes by here. But who are those others? And then slowly they start to recognize him and they're like, oh, my God, Kinemon, I thought we thought you were dead. And and all the rest of them emerge from out of the out of the smoke. And so they're like, we've got to everyone prepare light scrolls. We've got to spread the word across all of Wano that they're back. We thought they died, but the Akaza and I are all back. And Lady Toki's prophecy came true. And so the word spreads and we see just like all over the place. And it, it, it makes me recall th- how long this arc has been to go like, oh, yeah, we did at least briefly visit all of these <laughs> areas yeah. of Wano, didn't we? <laughs> In some fashion, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that's going on. Then we cut to the main group of the Straw Hats. And I believe basically everyone who's conscious is there. Because Zora's still out and Luffy's still out. No, Chopper's not there because Chopper is tending to the wounded. So he's not there. Uh, but they react to Yamato being there, being like, wait, you're, you're Kaido's son. We've got to fight more. And Yamato, of course, has to reiterate, I'm not your enemy. No, I look. And, uh, he then goes on to say, oh, you know, I, I've been following you guys in the newspaper. Uh, and I wasn't sure how many of you seem actually human, but you all actually seem pretty normal. He says to the skeleton and the cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> We're squaring off with it. <laughs> uh, and he introduces himself as Kozuki Odin, otherwise known as Yamato. Nice to meet you. Uh, and Usopp and Nami are uh, just kind of blown away by this. Uh, and he also, of course, says that he's going to be joining them on uh, their ship, uh, which Frankie is perplexed by. And Brooke and Sanji are like, you look like a hot girl. So we are OK with this. And... <sighs> I mean, I guess I think that we were all kind of thinking that Sanji would react this way. And I guess Brooke is basically. Yeah. yeah. It all lines up. Yeah. Uh, Robin refers to Yamato as you're a funny one, which seems about part for the course for her. And Jinbei says, I mean, it's nice of you to invite yourself aboard. But the captain decides. <laughs> yeah, Jinbei, ever the father of the crew, is just like. Yeah, you can't just actually invite yourself onto the crew. The captain has to bring you on. You know what I had to do before I got to join the Took crew? me like seven years to join what? this crew. I'm just going to note. 
we see that Chopper is tending to Luffy and Zoro uh, specifically while they're at, while he and the others are tending to the wounded. Yamato notes that some of the beast pirates are trying to escape, and they're like, "We don't want to be slaves, though." And they're like, "I mean, that's that's not going to happen, though." But we don't get to that point yet. Uh, we get a little bit of stuff with uh, Otama. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I've had I've had so many different characters that are oat something. Yeah. That I... I say, Nick, there are there are only like 17 fucking characters in this series uh, or in this arc that have a name that start with O, probably. Um, and she re- and she brings up. By the way, after about a month, my ability wears off on animals. Uh, and after a month, some of the animals just go back to the way they were, but some of them will stay my friend. I bet they choose whichever they feel more comfortable with, which is somewhere between disturbing and sweet. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Horse Lena says like, oh, I want to stay with you, master. And Tom is like, oh, I hope you will. But I don't want you to be my servant. I want you to be more like my mommy. <laughs> and Horse Lena is blown away by this expression of love. And Nami, we also see her reaction to this for a reason. I don't know. Because Nami's like the... She's like the big sister to every character I, we see. I, I guess. I guess. Uh, we see the people reacting to uh, the, the the incoming news from over the light scro- scrolls. And they observe like, oh, Kamurasaki and all of Kimon's forces are kneeling because... Oh, who's that coming through the mist? It's the human form of Momonosuke, and he's got long hair and stuff. And and he gives this speech saying that 20 years have passed since his father Odin passed. And he's so glad that everyone has survived this long time. And he says, the fire festival is not ending. Starting tomorrow, you may do whatever business you like. You may drink to your heart's content. You will not pay for the water from the earth no poison from factories will be allowed to spoil the land. There will be no slaves in Wano. And we focus in on Otama. And we see basically a microcosm of the history of Wano through her eyes. You know, growing up in this ruined kingdom, having her parents die and no one be willing to tell her because she's just a little girl mourning for her parents with only you know her little animal buddy to keep her company mm-hmm. and assuring them it was be okay i'll be okay on my own and she tries to be brave she tries to make a living for herself by selling hats but no one's got money to buy from her and so she's just kind of like left to starve and then the tengu comes across her and buys a hat from her so that she can have money to eat And he promises her that one day the Kozuki samurai will return and vanquish all of the ogres that have ruined their land. And Otamo had a little bit of encouragement to keep on going and bear with things until she was saved. And she jumps into Nami's arms in the present and just bawls because it's finally happened for her. And she remembers that Luffy promised her that one day she'll be able to eat as much as she wants every single day. And it came true. And look, there's been some flaws with this being such a wide ranging, going everywhere, introducing 50 billion details of the plots of this arc. But this core is very nice. Uh And I just wish that we had focused in on it a little bit more instead of branching out so much, because I think this is a very nice 
nice it, emotional it, core. It became a little bit forgotten in the per, like explosive girth <laughs> of how many plot lines were in Wano that I was like, oh yeah, at the heart of this was like the people of Wano aren't being fed and Luffy was very upset by that. So it's it's nice to like full circle back into that. Momonosuke's speech continues. He says that Kaido's rule, Kaido's threat is gone. Orochi's rule is over. I mean, Orochi better be fucking dead. He better be right. About That'd be great. Like cuts over to him. He's like, or am I? <laughs> uh, and he also says that they found strong allies at sea. And as part of the ninja pirate mink samurai alliance. <laughs> Uh, they led a raid on Onigashima and the Animal Kingdom pirates have been defeated and they're victorious. Hooray! Uh, and so everyone is shocked by this and Monesuke says, we can't forget the sacrifices of everyone who paved the way for this raid. Uh, and uh, Monosuke is kind of like, Kinemon, what do, I, what do I say now? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm making this up as I go along. Kinemon's just like, no, just keep going. Just keep, keep, keep on going. It's fine. Just keep on bullshitting. It's great. Uh, and Monosuke remembers Luffy's tough love encouragement. And so he goes on to say that his father gave him a name that means invincible. And he says, under my rule, this parched ruined land will turn into a paradise on earth. Let me your strength. And let's work toward this end together. I've traveled 20 years to save you all. From this day on, I, Kosuke Momonosuke, will lead the land of Wano. And we get a full reveal of his full appearance. Uh, he, yep, that, that, that's the guy. He looks, he, he resembles Odin without being a copy. And I think that was actually uh, pretty good on, on Oda's part as a character designer. Um, and Cat Viper is is brought to tears by this. In fact, basically all of the samurai and Kurumurasaki are, which, yeah, it's, everyone's like, we've been through a lot of suffering and salvation's come. And Momonosuke silently promises as he stands there that to his mother, that he'll keep his promise. And to his father, I will follow in your footsteps. Uh, and everyone gives a big old hip hip hooray, basically. And then we get narration saying, when the warrior at last sheathed his blade, the sky of the day to come danced with spinning, fluttering petals. This is the land of the samurai. Here under the night blossoms stands a handsome man of eight. Don't forget that. Momonosuke is eight years old. <laughs> uh, blessed with great dedication and mercy, a level of strength that can be forgiven. This is the birth of the man who would later be known around the world as the great shogun of Wano, Kozuki Momonosuke. Holy shit, we made it. We made it to the end of the Wano it's, arc. It's not, our, it's not done yet. You're very we close. made it to the climax of the Wano arc. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in resolving action now. Um, it is worth noting that there was big news that broke about One Piece, uh, that we are going to get news. two more chapters. Uh, that One Piece is going to be going on a month-long hiatus. Uh, Oda is going to be using that time to do many things, uh, promote the mm -hmm. new movie, do some character design work for that. He's going to oversee the live action Netflix, uh, one piece version. He also just needs to rest because holy shit, he's doing way. So he's doing way too much. Uh, and when he comes back, 
he is starting, quote unquote, the last arc of One Piece slash Whatever saga. that means. <laughs> I think we can all rest assured One Piece is probably going to run for another five years. So don't worry too much about that. But we are in we are incoming on the last bit of One Piece. So um, we'll get a couple more chapters and then I think it's on hiatus until like the end of July. What did you think of this chapter itself? I liked it. I liked Momonosuke's little speech. Um, I shouldn't say a little speech. It feels degrading. Uh, I liked his speech. Um, I, I, I like the the way it wrapped up Otama into everything and, and gave her a closure. I like the little joke moment of Yamato being like, cool, I'm going to join your ship. And I really like Jinbei being like, you, you can't just devote yourself on. That's not how it works. Um, obviously there's the little unfortunate part of Sanji and, and Brooke, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that develops in the long term. Um, it was good. It's, it's ultimately a nice sort of like, ah, all these, all these kids are, are getting together or whatever. So I feel like this is the first part of one piece in a little while where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully satisfied in, you know, what this does for, the part of this story arc that it fulfills. Yeah. I, um, I, I think so. this was a satisfying conclusion, even though like I, I've already heard people in our discord be like, I can't wait to like do like a reread on this. Cause I, I, you know, I did my reread. I think every arc ended up coming out better. Uh, but I'm I, like, I can't even count like comprehend doing one right now. Like even contemplating, it's, I'm just like, Oh my God. It's just it's, burnt out. It's like someone asking me, like, hey, here's some soup. It's good. Can you eat seven pounds of it? Like, I don't really. Oh, God. I guess. Can I, count, can I count the weight of the bowl? No. Seven pounds of it. You don't have to eat it in one day, but you do have to eat seven pounds of the soup. And, like, it's it's really Ugh. good. But, like, it's very good. Sometimes you have some, to eat all of it. <laughs> some ingredients are better than others. Sometimes you get, like, a really good piece of chicken. Sometimes you're just eating some peas, and they're fine. They're fine. There's a lot of peas. I'm not gonna lie. There's more peas than chicken in this soup. <laughs> and if you eat it at the pace you're, you're eating it right now, it will take you five years to finish. Oh, you'll and be, you have to eat it every week. Yeah. You'll be very sick by the end of it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I I I I get that. But um, yes, maybe time will be kinder to this. Apparently, the anime has been kinder to this arc already. Yeah, uh, people. Are constantly raving about the wonderful animation that is being done as part of this. So, yeah, maybe if we consume it a little bit differently, maybe it'll be more exciting to us. But uh, Alex, I forget, I forget the exact statistic I saw, but they're like, Shonen Jump has had successful manga enter into its its lineup and end in the span of the Wano arc, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> sometimes that's just how it be. Chainsaw Man entirely contained within within that arc. Yeah. Whew. All right. That is the conclusion of the show. Favorite series and MVP time. Jiro. Uh, <laughs> is it Jiro and my hero? Because uh, Ninja put those both in. I'll think about the chapter, but uh, okay. you go ahead. So, so I, I made a mention on this in the Discord that I, I read the chapters this week. And immediately after finishing, I was like, okay, so there's an answer to MVP. Like, there's just a clear-cut answer. And 
I even looked at it and I was like, this is maybe more of an obvious answer to me than even the Putakuge in it that week where he had like a <laughs> mad god's roar. Anyone who didn't put Nico from End Dead on Luck, I don't know what you read. I wish I could have seen the manga through your eyes where you were like, yeah, Yamato or Jiro or fucking whoever. Any any answer that wasn't Nico is insane to me because that right. chapter was mind blowing like that. Like, I, no, that, that's the correct answer. Now, chapter of the week, I think you can go with a lot of different areas. Uh, I think I am just going to double up on Undead Unlock because I thought it was really, really cool. But yeah, Nico is the answer. I am going to go with Undead Unluck. Uh, like, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, it didn't have the same impact on me, but, I mean, that's because it's me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I, I mean, rather, that it didn't have the same impact as what was going on with Jiro and My Hero Academia okay. because it's me. But, yes, you are absolutely 100% correct in terms of purely in terms of the chapter itself what's going on like i don't know freaking anything about nico outside of what's yeah. been going on in the last couple of chapters but this is as a chapter in itself remarkable like what's going on the concepts that are introduced the fact that he is kicking andy's ass up and down doing it and not only doing that not only beating him physically beating him mentally by conjuring images of his dead friends uh, who he had to turn against and kill uh and lambasting him for not actually remembering it, things the way that he does and the way that he's tortured by. It's all really, really, really good stuff. Yeah, it's excellent. Excellent. Uh, the audience, by the way, picked One Piece as the chapter of the week and Nico one character of the week as well. So good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yep. Okay. Let's, let's bring it home. Yeah, guys, thank you for joining us here on Weekly Manga Recap. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Rolotees, where we record the show live on Wednesday evenings, usually starting around 7.30 Eastern time. But we sometimes do need to change things up. So to stay tuned on that, follow us on social media, Twitter, WMR, WMR Podcast, Rolotee, and Nick F. Time for your two hosts. Uh, there is, of course, also the Discord server where you can talk about the recap series as they come up, the recommended series that we are working on. Stay tuned on that. And you can also participate in occasional game nights that are held amongst our wonderful community. And you can use that to find the Google Doc that is maintained by Ninja X3i that keeps track of all sorts of very helpful statistics associated with the history of the show and recommendations that people have made. There's a long list of them that people have requests that we get to. You can add your vote to it, say, hey, I am also interested in this, or you can make your own suggestion and have it added onto there. Uh, there, we would also like to extend special thanks to Milo Jackstilitz and Wensley Dale Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of the video version of the podcast, which you can watch on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash weekly manga recap. And from there, you can also see some of the title cards that have been made for us by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can check out wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet, including his Twitter account, twitter.com slash Steve Mann art. And meanwhile, if you want more Weekly Manga Recap content in general, you can check out weeklymangarecap.podbean.com for the audio-only version, as well as the podcast is hosted on iTunes and Spotify and other places. And uh, you can also, if you really, 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 really want more Weekly Manga Recap content, we've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash recap, which is updated with stuff like monthly other recap, uh, as explained by manga, commentaries, and just general weird 
tangentially manga related discussions that the two of us have. Yes. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up. But is it? Because <gasps> it's time for me to name what we're going to talk about next time. Now, Nick, is it going to take us three months to read this manga? No, I hope not, because it's 11 <laughs> chapters long. <laughs> Hell yeah. You guys, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it is Pride Month. And so, oh, fuck, I just realized I have the tab open on my other computer, so I have to vamp. So, <laughs> OK, so it's about pride. Now, what kind of pride is it about, Nick? Because there's a lot of different uh, forms that pride could take. Uh, or is it not about pride? And its tie-in is actually that it's about a giant robot who fights for like trans rights or something like that. Because I would read that series. I, that sounds like an amazing series. Yeah, it's I just wonder a giant if robot that, that punches bad guys. Like, and it's not like supernatural or anything like that. Like, it's just this big robot that walks into Congress. Like, it, it walks down to fucking Texas, just like don't tear trans children away from their families, and then it punches like a hole through fucking Governor Abbott's <laughs> house. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> uh, uh, which one is it? I got this from the list of LGBTQ plus series that were specifically compiled. <laughs> I wanted us to have something that we could actually, you know, read as part of Pride Month, especially right. because we're kind of be kind of like shortchanged on that because I'm going to be away in a couple of weeks. Uh, so we are going to be reading a short little Shonen Eye series that is called Go For It Nakamura, Ganbare Nakamura-kun. Oh, okay, which yeah. Which has been recommended to us by a few different people, so. Gotcha. I'm looking forward to this one, then. I feel like, uh, I feel like there's people who are going to be really excited recovering this one. Book. I feel yeah. like sometimes uh, you're interpretive dancing, and I'm like, nope, there's just a bug in his room. It's just a bug. Just trying to <laughs> just trying to smack a bug out of the air. I'd look, sometimes sometimes I, I make very, very dramatic gestures, and sometimes there's just a bug in here. <laughs> uh but yeah, we should hopefully have that ready uh, to talk about next week. And uh we'll see we'll see what what else the future holds for us. Oh yeah. All right, guys, that is gonna do it for Kamanga recap this week. I hope everybody enjoyed themselves. Bye. Goodbye.